Yesterday on August 3rd, uh, us here at the Screamcast podcast and a lot of people all across the country lost a really dear friend, Dustin Pace, also known as Duddy in Motion on Twitter, uh, was suddenly taken to the ICU on August 2nd for a hemorrhagic stroke. And unfortunately, he passed away yesterday, August 3rd. We are pretty gutted, as a lot of you who knew him are. He was a fantastic soul. Uh, everyone has come out with stories on how just how much of a nice guy he was and really fun to talk to on social media. You know, him and I have had a lot of really fun interactions on there. Um, I know that Brad was working with him on trying to get a pin, uh, enamel pin going, and we were working with him on that. He had done some design work for, uh, I think, Cinefessions podcast. He done, he helped design that Splatcast logo, like the 90210 feel for Splatcast, and some other things for us. He, he did the Stream Screams little logo that I'll, I'll put up every now and then when we kind of highlight a Stream Screams movie when we cover those and he's done a lot of amazing movie poster work and just a really great artist and we all were extremely saddened to hear that he had passed away so what uh mike delaney of splat house and brad henderson had suggested was they wanted mike is very good friends with uh, Dustin's family. We had offered to do a GoFundMe. So there is a GoFundMe up to pay for uh, funeral expenses and any other expenses, medical expenses that his family may have. So I want to let all of you know about that GoFundMe. It's GoFundMe.com. It's under Dustin Pace Memorial Fund. I'll put a link in the show notes so y'all can find it. And please, please, um, if you can be generous and and give that would be fantastic and um just a really you know these things are never easy so it's been really cool to see our whole horror community and film community come together and and give uh to this we are also bringing the pin we're working on uh we are releasing it you can find that on our products page at thescreamcast.com all proceeds from that pin will go directly to dustin's wife tiffany and there's 100 pins, limited edition, being produced. So uh, if you can help support that way, that, that'd be amazing. So thank you all for, for listening and for your all, all of your support all who've donated already. Uh, it's just been an amazing thing to see when you know, social media can be kind of a negative thing every now and then. It's just nice and heartwarming to see that all of us can come together when something like this happens. So hope you guys enjoy today's podcast and like i said please give if you can thank you something's coming Welcome to the Screamcast episode 140. I am Sean Drager and with me is Brad Henderson. 
Yo, 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 yo. We're out of the 130s, Brad, finally. Dude. So you can relax now. Even people are listening. They're like, there's got to be, like, Sean, <laughs> Sean misnumbers them. <laughs> BJ uh, is not able to join us. She is en route to Los Angeles. So I'm hoping to actually uh, meet up with her this weekend. So we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a cool girl. Worlds will collide. Today we will be uh, joined by Anya Novak. The fuck are we talking about today? We're talking about Love Camp Seven. We're talking about some Blue Underground Blu-rays. <laughs> we got some raw meat coming at you, aka Deathline. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about some ninety-nine women up in this shit. Holy shit. I do want to mention that they do have uh, Stenhall Syndrome coming out soon. It was delayed. And then uh, they just announced... Uh, they got The Lift back. and The Lift uh, by Dick Moss. Moss Dick up in your face. <laughs> well, it's called. they're calling it Down. Dude, the movie's called Lift. It's they're the just remake calling, they're just calling it The Lift. Yeah, they're just calling it... Dude, that movie is called The Lift. Like right. when it came out, they're just right. they're just retitling it because pe- people are going to get confused if they're buying two movies called The Lift. Gotcha, because they're releasing the classic The Lift as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, they're do- they're doing both. Uh, they're both directed Got by you. Dick Moss. Oh he shit! His own, yeah, he remade his own movie with Naomi Watts. Well, I mean, if you have a chance to work with Naomi Watts, you're going to work with Naomi Watts. Yeah, I think I have The Lift on VHS. So. Huh. I yeah, the, the cover the, art is kind of. Uh, I don't like the cover art. The original cover art was somebody's head, like in the elevators, and it was yeah. like, "Take the stairs, for God's sakes, take the stairs!" And um, I always thought that was a really funny tagline. But um, looks like Blue Underground doesn't listen to me. Well, it's probably reversed. You know, I hope I like that cover. So they're also releasing Amsterdam. Dick Moss up in my face. Another, another Dick Moss. So I must have missed the release, the information about the original The Lift, because I must have... Uh, uh, they spaced them out up. like a couple days. A couple uh, days. They? they they posted it on um, Instagram that they were working on it like maybe a few weeks ago, but they never, never officially announced it. It was just kind of like a tease. Um, but yeah, they're doing, they're doing those movies. They got a lot of shit coming out. I had a, had a little bird in my ear tell me a couple titles and Blue Underground's really going to kill it this year and next year, it sounds like. So gotcha. I'm, uh, I'm pretty stoked, but we got to keep that on the DL. Hold on. Hold on one sec. Cause you don't want to do a Cinespectral Elvira mistake if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> We'll just we're gonna say we're gonna release something. We'll worry about that rights thing. We'll worry about that later. But right now, give us your hard earned cash, bitch. I may have had a couple drinks tonight, so okay. This might be a little fun. Um, I've had uh, a little alcohol. Okay, so I'm a little. I'm a a little loosey goosey, if you know what I'm talking about, Sean. Do you like when I'm loosey goosey? 
You sound like you talk to me like that. Yes. You sound yes, like you're occupied with something else. Are you paying attention? I was. Uh, right? I, I I thought I had, I had requested the original the lift. I didn't realize there was two separate releases. I thought the I was a big yeah. Release, sometimes you so. got to just stay with the time, Sean. I know. I know. Okay. So hopefully we'll be covering both of those films in October. All right. Let's jump into October is going to rock. Let's jump into what's on your doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. (laughs) We'll go with that. All right. So I'll go first. I'll go first. All right. I got a puppy. I got a puppy here. So, so the first thing, can, can you just mute yourself while I'm you're good. yelling at your Sorry. dog? I'm, you know, it, well, he so, was uh, he uh, was starting to bite into my wife's scarf that she had for some reason left on the room of my office. Oh, dang, Sean, getting in the office. Where'd you have that <laughs> scarf, like around her neck or like you know, tied her hands behind her back or something? A little, little bit of both. Dang. All right. So uh, first up is Magnet's releasing of uh, Eyes of My Mother. Uh this shit is off the hook. All right, so <laughs> this movie is like beautiful. It's like beautifully shot, I should say. Um, it's fucking kind of horrific. Um, it's a story about a family. Um, a drifter comes along. They uh, bring him in the house uh, because you know he he needs something. Um, some shit goes down, uh, and the girl keeps him um, in um, the barn. And rips out his, uh, his, um, like vocal, vocal cords and, um, rips out his eyeballs and sews him shut. Um, and they leave him chained up. And basically the film is her growing up, um, dealing with, uh, family issues. And obviously she's got some shit wrong with her. But I tell you what, the movie's shot black and white, but man, it is such a, I mean, black and white movies can always be beautiful, but this one in particular is just so beautiful looking. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a slim 70 minutes too. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It, um, it, it's brutal in the beginning. It keeps its pace that way. There are a couple horrific, like longer shots that I thought were pretty cool. Um, but yeah, for any people that like gore and fucked up shit, this is for you. And plus, it's fucking 70 minutes. Like, it, like I, I love movies that, you know, we have a basic, because it's basic. You know, you have a basic plot, you have this basic execution. You know, you don't draw it out for an hour and a half or two hours. You're like, to the point, boom, we're done. Um, and it's, you know, it's well crafted, it's well edited, it's beautifully shot. And, you know, with kind of a weird, gruesome, grim story. Alright, so, um, next up was, uh, Lionsgate's, um, their Vestron Video Collector series. Did you watch The Unholy yet, Sean? No. Alright, so. I was gonna see if we can do a show on it, but that's okay. That's okay. This doesn't, it's not show worthy. I'll watch it soon. Um, I think you would dig it. Um, it's, it's basically these priests are dropping around town. Um, it it was a rewatch for me. I, I, you know what? Like, I remember liking this movie a lot when I was younger, and then, um, you know, I watched it a couple times, probably in my teens. I haven't seen it in a long time. So I was kind of inter- interested in watching it again. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's slower. Um, but I tell you what, it's one of those movies that if you hold off, you know, you don't turn it off, you don't get too bored, because, I mean, it is a little bit slower. It's a lot of, you know, has to deal with, 
God and Catholicism and all that other and shit. I'll probably, I'll probably be riveted then. Yeah, but the last, <laughs> the last 15 minutes of this movie are absolutely fucking insane. Um, it just kind of comes out of nowhere too. Like it kicks it up like times 20. Um, but I, yeah, I've always said like the, the movie is definitely worth, uh, the end. And I think I tweeted the other day, if you want to know what my sex life is, watch the last 15 minutes of the unholy. <laughs> um, and also, you know, I, I've had a little beef with, uh, the Vestron titles mainly cause they're, you know, just generic HD masters for $47. Um, this one was actually, uh, cause they didn't, they didn't really talk about it. I had to do some, you know, some digging and some research. They, uh, sourced it from the, they did a, uh, 2K interpositive scan. So, um, yeah, they, they gave that movie an upgrade, uh, which I was happy That's about. Nice. Um, next up is, uh, Buster's Malheart, um, directed by, uh, Sarah Smith. Um, who did um, The Midnight Swim that BJ was uh, always talking about. She really likes that movie. Uh, this is her new movie, Buster's Malheart, that stars somebody in some TV show, like some robot TV show, um, Rami Malek. Um, DJ Qualls is in it too, which you've known him from The Goofy Guy and like Road Trip and The New Guy and shit like that. We're probably the only podcast to actually mention The New Guy. Um, but anyways, uh, this one is a lot of fun. Um you know, I think an easy way to describe it is exactly how Sarah Smith described it when I was at Fantastic Fest. Because I kind of went in this blind. Travis Steven produced it. So anything that Travis Steven touches, uh, just like his dick, I'm probably going to watch and suck. Um, and so I did. So I was there. And she explained <laughs> the film as if Bad Santa meets Donnie Darko. That's how okay. she described the movie. And I was right. like, I'm totally down with that. Totally. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really, like, it's really crude at times. It has kind of this, um, you, kind of unique story, um, like some, uh, parallel time stuff. But, um, it's really hard to describe because you don't want to give anything away. It's, uh, you know, you just get to see this man, Buster, um, aka, uh, what's his other name? Shit. Uh, I can't remember. Um, but, um, I was looking at the back to see if it's on there, but it's like two stories. You're trying to figure out where one story ends and the other begins. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's perfect how she said, you know, it was bad Santa meets Donnie Darko, which I loved. I, I love that description and it set me, it could put me in the might right mind frame to watch it and i i really really dug it it's really funny it's really heartbreaking it's um it's everything it's really good Sweet. um next up i'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this one just because i think the vhs copy i have is better um oh. <laughs> this is uh victims by uh slasher video and olive um it's a normal just a extremely misogynistic slasher set in the desert and that's pretty much all it is um and it's not a very good transfer of the master tape, um, which I was kind of debating because I know a little bit about victims and that shit was shot on 35. It's not a shot on video movie. Hmm. So, I mean, unless everything was destroyed, eh. um, VHS transfers to Blu-ray still like 
like slasher video. I don't understand why they're doing that and all, and all of like just just. Well, I mean, if DVD. it's shot, yeah. I mean, if it's shot on the thing is, if they put it on DVD, no one's gonna buy it because they're like you. <laughs> no man, like Intervision and stuff like that. Like they do it right. Like they're putting the shot on video stuff on on. on yeah, DVD. but Intervision's even debating on putting on Blu-ray to boost sales because no one. Because the thing is, people don't like. I mean, I understand. Like you know. Yeah. Um. Like DVDs just don't sell anymore, man. I can't wait till they start putting VHS shot on VHS to 4K blue, <laughs> 4K remastered. I would if 4K I had remastered. if I had because I dude VHS. that's like my dream is to fucking start a distribution company releasing shot on video titles because that's some of my favorite shit, man. Um, next up was Arrow's release of Wolf Guy uh, oh, with yeah. Sunny Shiba. Sunny Shiba. Dude, this movie is fucking nuts. It's weird as nuts. It's weird as fuck. Um, I like. I'm watching the movie and I'm like enjoying the shit out of it, and I have no idea what the fuck is happening. <laughs> I just know that it's supposed to be Wolf Guy, but it's not really a werewolf. It's some other shit, and he's a cop, and. Dude, when people die in this movie and they get shot, I mean, you remember Planet Terror when people would shoot yeah. each other and how it just looked like grenades wet, were going off? Wet squibs. Yeah, that's what Big this is squibs. like. But nice. it's insane. It's it, dude. It, it, it's 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 crazy. It's just fucking Sunny Chiba being the ultimate badass. Being in this ultra crazy movie that's hyper violent with a lot of blood, um, I'm in th- that. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's I, no I'm not going to talk anymore. Um, hey, did you watch uh, Lawnmower Man yet? Yes, the uh, Blu-ray. Yes. All right. So yeah, they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Of of the package, uh, Robo you know, Jump. Yeah, they put the theatrical cut and director's cut. I don't really prefer the director's cut, mainly because I don't really want to watch a two and a half hour version of Lawnmower Man. <laughs> um, but it is, you get to see RoboChimp. And we talked about that briefly when we uh, were talking about Lawnmower Man 2, Job's War. Um, or was it Joe, uh, Lawnmower 2 Cyberspace or Cyberjacked? <laughs> Jack me off cyberly or something? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they, they did a pretty good uh, job of putting it together. Um, thankfully, Screen Factory, they included both, which I give them props for, because I know we, you know, we call people out when they don't do a good job. That's because we don't want you to spend money on bullshit. Um, but yeah, theatrical cut, director's cut. The director's cut was only available on Laserdisc, um, and I think briefly maybe for a DVD. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, but I yeah, had the theatrical. Um, yeah, they, they, they both, uh, look, uh, I, cause I popped in just to see if they did. Um, I mean, they, they both look great. I don't think they did new scans on either one. I just think they're HD masters, but I appreciate them putting both, uh, together on, on, on a disc. Um, well, two disc set. But yeah, we have both cuts of Lawnmower Man in one package. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, pretty good uh, documentary on that too. Oh, I haven't watched that. You watch yeah, the like documentary. No, it's just about how they put it together and everything. It's just a lot of. Oh, so there's like just, a they, new there's Cyber God creating Lawnmower Man. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, I think red and fucking Jeff Fahey. Pictures. Yeah, yeah, they do all their shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, fucking Jeff Fahey's a man, dude. Um, so next up is uh, Arrow's release of Madhouse. I 
remember watching Madhouse with my mom for the first time, and she was like, she sat me down, and she did this all the time, and I do this as Willow. I'm like, I sit her, like I hype it up. I'm like, I sit her down. I'm like, and my mom did this. She's like, hey, I got a movie for you to watch. It's kind of crazy, and I was like, oh man. And she's like, don't get scared. I was like, okay, I won't. And she watched, and she, you know, watched me. Uh, let me watch Madhouse. Dude, Madhouse is a blast, man. It's creepy. Um, it's kind of a pseudo slasher. Um, it was on the video nasties, uh, list. And I think it was on the videos nasties list because of, let's just say there is a dog and a drill. And it's a pretty horrifying scene, actually. But mm. when you watch it, you're like, yeah, it's the only time I've ever cheered for doggy death. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so, but anyways, it's, it's really good. It's super creepy. Um, it keeps you guessing. Um, like I said, it's kind of like a pseudo slasher. It's, it, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, uh, it, it's very comparable, like stylistically, like stuff like, um, you know, the Sentinel. Um, it's kind of got maybe like a hammer vibe, but with like a new age, like nuance, like, um, you know, just they want to be, it's like if somebody that really liked Hammer films watched uh, The Burning and Friday the 13th and wanted to make something. That's what it's like. So, I dig it. Um, did you watch Evil Ed yet? No. So, Evil Ed is a movie. Um, <laughs> I thought, yeah. thought you were going to stop there. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a movie. If you like monsters and you like, if you like Olaf Edenbach's uh, movies, uh, for listeners that have dove into that weird uh, realm of cinema, um, this is like a really fucked up Olaf Edenbach film. Hmm. Um, monsters, craziness. Um, you have no idea what the fuck is happening the last 45 minutes. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but I know that there are fans of it. Uh, I thought I liked it when I was younger. Because I remember seeing it. Because it was the cover with the dude's head split open with the axe. Um, I remember renting that. Uh, you know, when stuff like Jack Frost. was I think it was even paired with like Jack Frost on, like, on DVD or something. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was not a fan. It's, it, those movies are just really grimy and slimy. They remind me of boogers. Like, you know, everybody's picking their nose and boogers. Like, I'm dead serious. Olaf, if you watched an Olaf, Ed, Olaf Edenbach film, there's at least one booger in every movie. And then last but not least, to piggyback off of... Uh, this is probably not... I don't know. I'm so... I, I have a little bit to drink. I'm not going to cover anymore. But um, <laughs> since we talked about uh, Buster's Mount Heart and about Donnie Darko... Um, I finally got around to watching uh, the deluxe, beautiful set that they did. Uh, Arrow, I can't believe they actually got a hold of Donnie Darko and released it over in the UK and here. They released um, uh, the theatrical cut, uh, the director's cut. Um, and I, I tell you what, I, I, I prefer the director's cut. or the Don't no, Shut up, I made a mistake. Oh. The theatrical cut of the film, just because the music's different. Like, you know, especially with, you know, was it NXS that has the opening song in the director's cut? Theatrical cut has Echo and the Bunnymen. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think so. I I can't remember. All I know is like the the, the director's cut. Level Terrace too apart. Much. Level Terrace apart is in the director's cut in the opening when he's riding his bike and stuff. Um, you know, it was fun because I, I watched Donnie Darko with Willow. Um, you know, because even though it kind of has that hipster mentality, it was still one of those films that you know I felt that yeah, I discovered hipster mentality. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like what Donnie Darko is today, like. You know, yeah, even I mean, young yeah. teenage girls are like, oh, my God, I love Donnie Darko. Yeah. Um, and people think it's like really deep and it's not really. It's just a movie. Um, I doubt their commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's a fun movie to talk about, too. Um, like, here, here's here's my question, because this is obviously everybody's fucking seen Donnie Darko. If you haven't seen Donnie Darko, fast forward for like <laughs> three minutes, five minutes. So, like... What's your take on Donnie Darko? Like, without, like, reading, like, the history of it and, like, what does it mean to you? Like, what happens in Donnie Darko for you? Um, I don't know, man. I, 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 I looked at it as, like, no matter, like, no matter what, our fates are sealed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, that's it. Like, you can't. You know, even if you think you can kind of bypass you know, your well, fate, like, do you think? Even I don't. If, I mean, I don't know. I just, I stick the I stick the movie. No, so like if Donnie Darko went back to bed, you know, and he's happy, you know, he's happy that he's going back to bed because him getting out of bed altered um, everything, obviously. But right. is it like? Here's the thing with Donnie Darko in the ending that, you know, it's never really talked about. It's like, oh, he saved everybody. But did he? Did he say, like, of course, Frank lives. The girl never meets him, so she obviously lives. But does Patrick Swayze get a, get away with molesting and touching children and having pictures and being successful? Uh, no. no and that's the weird thing. Like, I think... Because he gets... Somehow like, he's, he... It's a, it's a, like a weird time paradox movie where somehow because he's he sitting there. Everything. He's, he's seated, sitting there crying. Yeah. Because does he like obviously like how I interpret the end of Donnie Darko is that even though Donnie Darko dies, people still feel something. Like they realize that there's a rift, and yeah. so like you know he's crying. You know because obviously you know when uh, Jenna Malone is like sitting there, you know she waves like there's some kind of weirdness of like hey i i knew you somehow but i don't know you um but yeah the patrick swayze sequence when he's sitting and crying i mean is he coming to the realization what he's doing is wrong but can you really do that but can you really like can someone change like that with just something that's not that concrete to them yeah i don't know man like i that that's that's and Part of the beauty of the of that film, yeah, is, no, is that, that that's of, what I'm saying. It's a really fun fun film to talk about. And if that's the case, does even though you know would the daughter still go with Sparkle Motion, or would they cancel that because of the horrific event that happened? You know, because it, you know, even though it's like <laughs> how many days does the girl still go? Like instead of the mom going. You know, because, you know, the, um, 
lady that dies in Child's Play 2. I oh, we can't never remember her name. She's such an awesome actress, too. Um, but the woman that dies in uh, Child's Play 2, that's the, you know, dumb teacher in the film, you know, she, she stays back to represent Patrick Swayze. Um, but even though he's still like, and that's the thing, is he's still exposed for, you know, Donnie burned down the house, right? So he's still exposed. But he didn't really change, even after the fact that he was caught. So why would he change before he was caught, you know, or not getting caught, coming to the realization that Donnie Darko existed somehow, and now he sees his fate, or he realizes that he needs change. So that's what I'm saying. if she doesn't go on that plane trip, then that engine doesn't fall. See, I can't think about this too much right now. Well, no, the engine would fall, because that's what kills Donnie. The only thing is his mom... You know, this little sister, which she'll see beyond, and the mom wouldn't because the teacher went. But would they not go because of the horrific event that happened at the school? Like, would it just be too much for the little sister to go on with sparkle motion and go to the probably. competition? Well, yeah, probably not. So, that, yeah, that's my it's question. It's a mind fuck. Yeah, that, well, that's why I said it's, it's fun to talk about. So, I mean, anybody that wants to talk about Donnie Darko, DM me or something, because I always think it's a fun movie to debate about because, you know, the what ifs. And people always, you know, taught me things, too. Like, hey, this actually happened, and this, you know, the, especially the thing, the most important character is a character that doesn't even speak at all, you know, which is uh, Grandma Death. Um, yeah. you know, it's a very important part of the movie, but anyways, I, I don't know. We, we can move yeah. on, but they did a great transfer. It looks fucking fantastic. It's, it's awesome. It's stacked. It's got so much bullshit in the fucking Blu-ray. It's insane. Like yeah. fucking shit starts it's, falling it's out like postcards and yep. I can't believe I, I bought the UK version and then they announced the U S version. And of course, I did the same thing. if they do it backwards like that, they're not cross, uh, they're not, you know, region free for both. You know right. what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, fuck, but uh, whatever, it's still beautiful. All right, um, for me, I want to give a shout-out to, uh, I got a magazine Ooh. this week. Uh, a magazine. Yeah, Gruesome Magazine. Gruesome twosome, Brad and Sean. <laughs> oh, I thought I had this up in my stupid uh, stupid Gmail. Um, so Stupid Gmail. The uh, the guys from the Horror News Radio, I believe, uh, podcast or, or network, uh, Doc Rotten is the guy that kind of uh, leads this up, and um, so they have they, they all have these names, right? There's Doc Rotten, the Black Saint, Saint, uh, and then there's David Dave Dreher and Thomas Mariani. So they have a magazine called Gruesome Magazine, but it's just awesome to get. A fucking magazine to look through because there's always you know blog articles and things like that and I feel like any more like any more horror movie blogs especially like bloody disgusting stuff like that it's all really quick disposable bullshit like just stupid like surface level articles um, you don't really get a whole lot of really in depth interviews and things like that so I believe you can get their spring. Uh, magazine right now they're ramping up I think for their next release but this one has an artic- articles on found footage 3D uh, which is had, good they interview the director of of Dry Blood um, I don't know what that Kelton is. Jones and Clint Carney so it, but you know it's it's done really well like a lot of really great pictures a lot of really great articles in here they have one I think on uh, on Robert Kurtzman and his uh, his yeah. special effects 
his, his all his makeup effects and things like that and, and monsters and stuff. So it's a really, really cool magazine. Uh, it was, I would, I would definitely recommend you grab it. You can buy these for like, I think the magazine itself is nine ninety nine, but I think you can get a subscription for that really makes it worth your while. Um, they do a digital magazine too. Uh, you can get that for three ninety nine. but man, I, I recommend, you know, the print edition, man. Like I'm, I forget how awesome magazines are and having one that's really like, this reminds me of, um, you know, all the old horror like magazines I used to read. My dog, Charlie. Damn, Charlie. I got, I got, I got a puppy and he's been kenneled like half the day. Cause my wife and sister went, uh, they went towards LA for a bit. And he is just well, psycho right now. Psycho. So I'm going to try I, to get through this. I um, I love found anyway. footage 3D. So I'm glad that gets... Uh, whenever that comes out, man, for those that don't like found footage and don't like 3D, this movie is for you. Because they do this in such a way that is uh, pretty fucking fun. Um, I was very, very impressed with found footage 3D. I hope that it gets a proper release. Awesome. So anyway, go to gruesomemagazine.com and check it out there. And I really hope they, uh, they keep this going because it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. In a time where a lot of print magazines are going out, you know, um, you know, like Fangoria and stuff like that. It's just really, yeah, they don't do print anymore, do they? No. And it's, it, it really no. is a shame. Like, it really is awesome to have a, a, a horror magazine, especially just laying around my office. It's Earth Movies awesome. Death does a uh, does yeah, they do. Uh, yeah. But I think that's is that strictly in in Austin at, at the Alamo Drafts House. You can get it. There? Um, yeah, I don't think they have like a wide thing, but I mean they still yeah. have a magazine, which is pretty cool. Yeah, well, check it out. Um, pretty damn cool. All right, next. Did I talk about Creepazoids yet, Brad? Um, no, you have not. I don't think I did. I checked out the Blu-ray of David Dakota, Dakota's film, Creepazoids. Uh, you have a, you know, you have a Linnea, Linnea Quigley, uh, shower scene, of course. Uh, you have goofy monsters, really bad acting, and some pretty fun gore. Um, check it out if you haven't. It's, it's fun. I, I you can probably, it's a full moon film so you can probably find the streaming somewhere on wherever um well you can also moon. just watch your dvd because that's what they did on the blu-ray <laughs> i thought it looked decent i don't know dude i love they put that like restorated it's remastered you know, yeah they it's say remastered, remastered and you know done in 4k that's what all their blu-rays say it's hilarious it's a it's a <laughs> it's a fun little movie that's where like it's like it's not it's like world war three right yeah, it's like yeah. it's like a little bit of it's like yeah, it's there's there are like, like these survivors that kind of yeah seek refuge in this bunker or something like that and there's yeah. uh, some sort of I haven't like, seen that movie forever giant rats yeah. in there and uh, Linnea Quigley I just uh, remember the poster scene. art being like super cool but it's nothing less in the movie <laughs> it's nothing like the poster art yeah uh, next next up I uh, have, have you seen recently watched uh, the craft Brad. Um, not recently, but I mean, I grew up on The Craft and Fear with Mark Wahlberg. Well, I love The Craft. I got the Blu-ray for pretty cheap, and I think it still holds up. Apparently, the movie, the new, the new movie Wish Upon, is like The Craft, but not as cool. But uh. very like the whole setup where you wish something bad on someone and that wish comes true. 
uh, very similar to the stuff in the in the craft. So the craft still great. My wife and I watched it, and uh, it was just fun to be able to watch something a little bit horror with my wife. And uh, the movie's still fun. Yeah, I hope um, that remake that uh, I guess Lee uh, Janik has been attached to. I, I really like their movie Honeymoon that they did. Okay. Um, so I'm hoping that that actual because that seems like a good fit. For um, and I think they did a couple episodes of this. They directed Scream as well, the TV show. Did you ever yeah. watch that? This, uh, no, I didn't. Dude, no. it's not all that bad. I watched the first like season. You know what else is really good? Heard, the I fucking mean, I, TV people... show from Dust Till Dawn. Oh yeah, I heard that's pretty good too. This shit's fucking. I'm, I'm good, horrible man. with TV. I don't, don't have time. So am I. So am I. I don't have time. Show. I don't really watch that much TV. But every once in a while, something will be cheap on Hulu or uh, yeah. uh, Vudu, and I'll pick it up. But anyways, yeah. Yes. Uh, next up, uh, there is an action film called Criminal, starring Kevin Costner and Gary Oldman that I watched. And Gal Gadot. Gal is it Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Um, I don't know. Is kind of like face off in a way. Oh, that's the one with Ryan with Reynolds, swapping. right? Ryan Reynolds is this like CIA agent or something like that. He gets killed. They basically take stuff, his, me- his memories out of his brain, puts it into the bottom, in- into the body, into uh, Kevin Costner's brain. So it's kind of like The Rock mixed with face off because he's a criminal. Mm. Uh, then, so he has Ryan Reynolds somehow in his consciousness as well, and they need him to help find something. I don't know. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is in it too. This is something that if it's, if you find it streaming on Netflix or something like that, or you can rent it pretty cheaply, you'll have a good time with it. It's kind of a fun B-movie. What's that director's I, name? Uh, the director's name Ariel, is Ariel Vrahman. Vrahman, yeah. Ariel he, Vrahman. He did a, he did a movie. You ever watch Iceman? Yeah. Yeah. With Michael, um, what's his name? Oh, shit. It's like Chris Evans was in it. Michael, yeah, yeah. um, and like James Franco. What's his name? Michael fucking from... He's in like, he's in everything. He's like in Premium Rush and, um, <laughs> and Premium Rush is the first movie I think about. He's in Bad Boys 2. He's in fucking Midnight Special. Oh God! You're killing Michael Shannon. Killing Michael me. Shannon. I kept Jesus on wanting Christ. to say Michael Showalter, but that's from Stella. Oh <laughs> uh, God, too much. To so do. anyway, this is it's it's a fun action flick. I would definitely recommend it. Like maybe not buying it or something, but it's something that if you see it, um, it's definitely one of those. I think it was in like barely in the theaters, but uh, it, you'll have a good time. With I it, remember I seeing the trailer and thought it looked interesting. Yeah, I mean, it just grumpy, looked absolutely fucking insane though. Grumpy Kevin Costner is great. Uh, I love I love it. So, dude, Kevin Costner was a shit in that one movie. What was Charlie it? Let um, go. Charlie Let Go. Holy shit! Kevin Costner was in a bad. Uh, Mr. Brooks. Mr. Brooks is fucking. Oh, good. Mr. Brooks is badass. Yeah. And Charlie just peed on my carpet right now. Fuck. Aww. All right. Keep going. Moving along. <laughs> what am I going to do? It's like I just yeah whatever. Uh, finally, I broke open my Tales from the Hood Blu-ray from Scream Factory. And I've I've never watched Tales from the Hood, man. Oh, it's fun. It's really fun. I wasn't expecting the kind of uh I mean it takes some like dark turns like as far as it has like a point like about, you know, gang on gang violence and and things like that. I was surprised that it was operating on a other level than just a goofy horror movie. And uh that last one, the last 
segment that shows like real uh, lynchings and things like that. Like I wasn't prepared for that, man. It really disturbed me on like a core level. But um, but it's it's really good. I, I was wasn't uh, expecting that. So solid uh, solid treatment from Screen Factory. And uh, if you're on the fence on this, you probably aren't. Aren't, but um, dude, it was really fun to to check out. Yeah, it's a fun little movie. Like there's that, that some of that black exploitation like horror that came out. We talked about that in Bones. Yeah, I've always liked those yeah. movies quite a bit. Yeah, Char- Charlie, I am gonna what the hell. All right. Um, next up, really quick, uh, Warlock Two is a lot of fun, but I'm not sure if it's worth spending how mo- however much this set was. Usually, you know what? Their sets but, aren't uh, that Warlock bad. But Warlock Two. I think I got this for like twenty five bucks though. Yeah, it's not bad say. for three fucking movies. Yeah, so if, if I mean you're you're like you know talking about these Vestron titles right now, like 40 it's bucks. 20, 28 bucks. That's not too okay. bad for three right. movies because I mean you can't get them Warlock, on Voodoo that cheap. No, Warlock is badass. Warlock two isn't as good. Like it's horribly edited. Mm-hmm. Warlock two has the stones, right? Yeah, and it has this really weird like birthing scene. Of when he's when the warlock is birthed out of this woman at the beginning of the movie, uh, really just gross. Um, but they're like they're not really connected at all. Like that's the funny thing about these movies. It's because he's just another warlock. There's a whole new movie. He's the same guy. Warlock three apparently is a different guy and not co- not connected yeah, it's either. Bruce, uh, Bruce, um, Dern. Oh, Bruce Payne. No, Bruce Payne. Bruce Dern. Bruce, Bruce Dern. Payne. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, fun set. Warlock 2, I had a lot of fun with. Uh, not as good as the first Warlock, but has some really fun moments in it. And I'd, uh, recommend it. Finally, last thing I want to talk about is I watched a Fred Olin Ray film called Star Slammer. (laughs) And this is like a (laughs) women in prison flick in space. But, uh, his, style of filmmaking is really weird because it's really tongue-in-cheek and like the, everyone's in on the joke you know what i mean yeah so like if you would have played it more straight i probably would have loved it more but still like it's that whole goofy 80s sci-fi star wars type rip-off sci-fi um which i have a, a soft uh place in my heart for so i had a lot of fun with star slammer like i like i said if, if they would have played it a little more straight i think it would have been better, but I don't think Fred Olin Ray uh, is that way anyway. So, but uh, it's from Kino, and uh, you know, if you're a fan of goofy, uh, goofy sci-fi with women in prison flicks, although I think Rob Hunter said that it's not a women in prison flick if there's no shower scene, and I don't think there was a group shower scene in this one. Dun dun. So dun. I guess officially. According to to Rob Hunter, it's not a uh, Rob Hunter is usually right. So I know. So I guess it's not a woman in prison film. <laughs> All right, I probably have more, uh, but I'll I'll save those for next time. Just this keep puppy, going. Just keep no, going. This, dude, this this puppy's driving me crazy. We got to wrap up here. We got to get to Anya Novak, man. I agree. So let's uh, jump into news with Josh Obershaw, and we we will be back with a less drunk Brad and Anya Novak. Talking about oh, that's blue it's underground flicks. That's why you said that. <laughs> this is recorded. Last yeah, week. I'm not. You know, because people are gonna wonder, like, why is Brad all of a sudden like really yeah, sober? What, what the hell? It must. He must have been a liar, <laughs> like Rob fucking Hunter. 
<laughs> All right, we will be back after this. Stick around. Well, Josh Obershaw now joins us for the news. Josh, what's up, man? I'm doing good. How's everybody out there? How are you, Sean? I'm good. I can't complain. I'm uh the the puppy is finally sleeping, so I hope that we'll not have any crazy interruptions during this segment. <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping to not have any interruptions on my end either. <laughs> All right, it's been a pretty busy uh, announcement week. Oh, so, you're telling me. Uh, what what, uh, what do you got for us? All right, we'll just start off with a couple of brief things. Some Just want to mention some non-horror news for a second here. It, it's kind of sort of in the wheelhouse. But uh, Warner Archives just announced that they are going to be releasing a Blu-ray of 1983's The Man with Two Brains, starring mm. Steve Martin Kathleen Turner and David Warner. It's going to be a whole new remaster, which is great because the DVD, which was released, I don't know, somewhere turn of the 21st century back in the old days when, when Warner brothers were still putting DVDs in those uh, paper slash plastic cases. Yes. And it was, and it was standard meaning it was a one, three, three to one aspect ratio. Gross. Yeah. So I'm pretty happy about this one. I, I I remember loving this movie as a kid, and I can't wait to revisit it. It's going to be out later this summer. There's no release date yet, but there we go. Man with two brains. Awesome. Do you have the other Warner Archive uh, announcements? Have we, t- have we talked about those yet? Uh, we talked about uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. The, that's uh, already... A- yeah, that's already available. So people are buying them up and posting them on Twitter, and I'm like, God damn it! Yep, mine should be arriving soon. Um, during Comic Con, they announced the Hidden, the Green. Oh, that's Slime, right. And Innocent Blood, and I've been I've been I, waiting for Innocent Blood for a long time, as well as the Hidden, and I think the Green Slime is just a little bonus because I I've never seen that, so I'm excited to to check that one out for sure. I, I I was gonna put that down in my notes and I totally forgot about it. <laughs> I I remember the other thing from uh, Comic Con that we're gonna uh, get into in a bit. Yes. But well, I uh, yeah. I had the chance to meet. I met uh, Matt from Warner Archive and his associate. Uh, his name escapes me right now, and I apologize. Uh, a few years back, when I first started this podcast, ran into him again during during Comic Con. We had a little podcast meetup. So real great guys and. He, we're, we're going to be doing a giveaway, not for a non-horror thing. I'm trying to find where I put it. So, we'll be, we'll be, oh, the Yakuza. Oh. So, keep your uh, eyes and ears open for a chance to win the Yakuza from Warner Archive. I also have a Kino giveaway coming up soon as well. So, um, so just a little tease. Guys, but support Warner Archive. They have a lot of great things underway. They're really cool guys, and um, they they have your best interests at heart. So, well, thank you for saving my ass, there, Sean. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> my pleasure. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Warner Archives is is just been killing it lately. So I'm very happy about that. Next up, we've got I've got some import news. There's going to be a 2K restoration of Lady Frankenstein starring Rosal- Rosalba Neri. Hope I said that right. 
That's going to be coming from the UK label Nucleus Films. It's said to be, quote, the most complete version of the film. I know that in the United States that has been released on DVD as part of a, one of those Roger Corman all-night horror DVDs. And there's no release date for that yet. So Lady Frankenstein 2K Restoration from Nucleus Films. Sweet. Back home in the yeah, back home in the US, Universal has set a September 19th release date for the complete 5th season of Bates Motel. And also on September 19th, you can get the entire series in one box set. Cool. I'll probably do that. Yeah, I'll probably do that too because I loved Bates Motel. It was such a good show. Couple of things from Lionsgate they set an October 3rd release date for A Ghost Story. The Blu-ray is going to have a commentary, two featurettes, and a deleted scene. That's pretty much it. And they also are bringing 47 meters down to Blu-ray on September 26th. And there are no special features listed. So I don't know if there are going to be some, but there's none to report at this time. Also on September 26th, guess what? Mill Creek is getting into the Steelbook game. They're going to be putting mm. out 1990s Flatliners. No dub, uh, no special features on that one. No, it'll be the the current release just in a uh, in a Steelbook. The Steelbook looks pretty damn cool, though. The Steelbook will be released on, yeah, you said September 26th. And yep. in this email, uh, it'll be 29.98 is the SRP, but... Like everything like this, once it goes to Amazon and the big retail outlets, that that price will drop. The it's, movies are never, especially the first week or so, are never the uh, SRP. Yeah, especially especially with companies like this that are connected with bigger retail outlets, it's not gonna, they're not going to go that that price. So, uh, all right, Blue Underground has set an October tenth release for both. Down and The Lift. These are two films by Dick Moss. The Lift is actually wait, no, Down is the remake of the list of the yes. Lift. I just learned okay. this in our first segment, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there's a there's a there's a few bonus features for this that might tickle any one of these fancy, like two and a half hours of behind the scenes footage on wow. Down. That's, That's crazy. could be yeah, that is pretty crazy. I mean, they're both going to be 2K Masters. These look pretty damn good. Wow. I've yeah. never seen either of these films before. I'm not familiar with Dick Moss at all. I, yeah. I only know of him from you guys. They're going to so, be uh, releasing, was it Amsterdamed? Yes. The Dick Moss film as well. So uh, because of all this Dick Moss is happening, I may or may not be working on a potential interview for late September or, or early October. You heard it here first. So I'm working on it, folks. That's pretty cool. Okay, and last but not least, we're going to head into Scream Factory. But on a side note, Shout Select is going to be releasing Joe Dante's matinee on Blu-ray. Nice. That's pretty much all the news I have on that. But <laughs> as far as <laughs> but as far as Scream Factory, oh boy. Yeah, we had the uh, the announcements from Comic-Con, and we've got a whole bunch of titles to go through. They're going to be releasing on Blu-ray Attack of the Puppet People from 1958, Eye of the Cat, which is a title I'm not familiar with, 
American Gothic and Darkman 2 and Darkman 3. Oh, now, I don't, baby. I don't know if it's going to be a double feature or they're going to be released separately, but we are getting the entire Darkman trilogy on Blu-ray. Nice. So that's that's pretty cool. The big news are their collector's editions because they're going to be putting out Cyborg starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. The Strangers, Drag Me to Hell, <laughs> Misery, which already has a release date of November 28th. And there's also some uh, artwork that you can see on their Facebook page. And last but not least, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Nice. Finally, please hope they do justice. I'm sure they will. I'm sure it's going to be much better Come than on, the people. Anchor. Yeah, I'm. I mean, <laughs> the Anchor, the Anchor Bay Blu-ray. I totally skipped out on that. Yeah, it's um, it's not good. Here's yeah. hoping that the, uh, the 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 rest of the the rest of the series is going to be coming out on Blu-ray because if they can get a hold of all of those, it's certainly doubtful. Doubtful. Because uh, I know Lionsgate put out the last three on DVD as like one collector's pack. But I don't know. I mean, I I would just love to see, you know, uh, you know, all of these films, you know, out on Blu-ray and much better transfer than we got the last time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, who knows? Maybe I mean, I have – yeah, I mean, I have – issues with the second movie but whatever i mean gotta have it <laughs> hell yeah man you gotta complete the series okay should we talk about uh <laughs> the bad news that just came into the uh that came on our that came out on our desk <laughs> today yep, yep. All right. I hate to uh, end this on such a bummer note, but this is for all you guys who pre-ordered Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and Hell Comes to Frogtown. That's been canceled. They say it's on hold, but I'm pretty sure it's been canceled because they just announced that, and they apologize, that it's being on hold Quote, we were forced to face another delay, which would have put the release into mid-September, which obviously would have put, been outside the purchase protection period for all customers. First two weeks of pre-order, blah, blah, blah. Damn, this sucks. I, From what I understand, Cinespectral is going belly up, so they're going to be refunding everybody who pre-ordered both of those films. God damn it, what a bummer. Yeah, it, there seems to be more than meets the eye if you kind of uh, look through these. Like, they've been saying it's just a possible packaging issue or something, which doesn't seem like packaging would hold up a completely – would cause someone to completely release – you know, or abandon a release. I can't talk right now. So I'm, like, I'm trying to read as I talk. <laughs> it never works. No, neither am I. <laughs> so they're basically offering refunds to everyone. What Brad is kind of thinking is possibly they didn't have all their, um, all the rights issues squared away. And cause he says that another German company <coughs> is, Excuse me. is going to be, um, is going to be releasing Elvira. Yeah, he did mention that to me. So I, um, I, 
I don't know. Keep an eye on it. I mean, it would be nice, you know, if Elvira gets it would get a great release. There's an HD transfer of it up on one of the streaming sites like Amazon Prime or something. So I know that it exists. So, um, I mean, we know the demand is there. So hopefully, hopefully I'm, I'm thinking like if Arrow or Screen Factory or, or someone, I'm not sure exactly what studio released Elvira Mistress of the Dark, but I mean, the demand it was is on there. A- yeah. So. Yeah. It's been, it's been on DVD before through, uh, Anchor Bay actually. Okay. 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 So that could be the potential holdup. So. Hopefully through this, at least people see the demand and we get something from a more legit company. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get more news. Like, you know, then they're saying something or was wrong with like the glue. Like, I don't know. Something seems a bit fishy. So if you're from Cinespectral and you want to shed some light on this, that'd be fantastic. But, um, they're apparently their website is down and <sighs> they're refunding everyone through PayPal if you don't trust that, you can open up a um, you can open up a case through PayPal, and they're totally fine with that. Yep. So there you well, go. Well, yep, that's all the news I have, Sean. Apologies for everybody. <laughs> Apologies to everybody. Excuse me. I can't fucking talk tonight. It's I all mean, your I, fault, Josh. It's all your fault that this. It is all my fault. Message. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, man. Yeah. I, I've been working odd hours, so I'm just I, I I'm not even sure what day it is. Hey, you, me, and Brad, <laughs> both. We're all a bit uh, out of sorts for sure. We've all been working hard. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you guys next time. We'll kick ass when I see you. We'll kick ass and chew bubble gum too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Well, today, Anya Novak joins us on the show. Twitter name, Bookish Blinko. Welcome to the podcast, Anya. How you doing? (laughs) Good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So uh, you're you're another member of this uh, this infamous girl gang, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Our (laughs) reputation precedes us. Yes. (laughs) We are... I don't know how this started or when it started, maybe about a month ago, two months ago. Um, but yeah, it's this, it's just a group of women writers and creatives that, uh, tend to protect each other when some dude comes into our feed, you know, talking trash. And then it became a girl gang and I'm, I'm embracing it. I'm loving it. Hell yeah. I'm all for it too. It's awesome. And you guys have your little, uh, the, the movie nights, which, even if I'm not watching the movie, I'm always following that hashtag because it's just some we entertainment. We get raunchy. Yeah, we get pretty raunchy with it and uh, unprofessional and unladylike. And that's the whole point of it. And we <laughs> genuinely love these movies. We rarely live tweet a movie that we don't like because I think that's kind of crappy. We like to uh, be a fan of whatever <laughs> lame, horrible movie we're, uh, we're watching. So last <laughs> week it was it was prom night. And we're not sure if it what we're gonna do next week. Maybe the craft or something like that. Ooh, 
I would watch that with all of you. If I, if you let me join the girl gang for a night. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> all are welcome in the girl gang. Awesome. Well, uh, can you let everyone know where, um, they can find your writing online? I know you write for a handful of different sites. Where, yes. where can people find your stuff? Well, I have a column at the Daily Grindhouse, and that's uh, dailygrindhouse.com. And in that column, I genu- generally uh, go through the list of 72 banned films in the UK during the mid-1980s, known as the Video Nasties. I do one film a week. Uh, the most recent film I did was Love Camp 7, the Nazi exploitation film. And uh, every week you can find me there. But if you want to find any of my other work, that's at onyourrights.com. That's A-N-Y-A, rights.com. Awesome. Awesome. Mm. So we could have helped you out with the Love Camp 7? Or were you helping us with the Love Camp 7? Like (laughs) what came first? It was was like a timely thing. Like I was thinking about supporting Nazi exploitation, and that film was available to me anyway. Okay. We're sorry. Perfect. No, it's <laughs> great. I have to watch no. it anyway, so, so yeah. what are you gonna do? <laughs> so uh we are discussing some Blue Underground um uh releases that have come out recently. We did I did want to mention briefly about uh the Stenhall syndrome. Am I pronouncing that correct, Brad? Stenhall syndrome. Stenhall, yes. Yes, I was wondering that, Yeah, that was about to get a release. A bunch of people got their review copies and there was apparently a compression issue so they've kind of held back on the release they're going to kind of see what's up with that see if there's any merit to it which i think that there is and they'll probably be um just delaying it and getting that fixed so yeah if you're a fan of that film um you know just be a little more patient and and you'll get it i uh i have i have not seen it we've talked about it briefly in, in here and there on the podcast so um i'm sure when it comes out officially we'll probably mention it once more yep but yeah i mean shit happens but hey they they acknowledged it at least you know which a lot of people don't they let it come out because it's obviously money that they've spent um so yeah it's a you know i think it's pretty uh noble for a company to actually say yeah we fucked up because a lot of times you get that disc and they just don't say anything and then they want that replacement program and all that other fucking bullshit well, it sounds like they have a good relationship with their authoring company that does the the Blu-rays. So, yeah, they're going to, you know, talk to them about it and figure out what's going on and then let everyone know. So, it's a brief, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated. You okay? Did you drop something? You all right? Yeah, I dropped something. I'm okay. You can just continue. Okay. All right. <laughs> you don't have to sure. call me out. I'm making sure you're good. I'm good, man. I'm, <laughs> so, like, ready to go. Today, we are going to be talking about two recent releases we're going to talk about at, as the, the aforementioned uh, Love Camp 7. And then we'll be talking about raw meat, aka Deathline. Deathline. So we'll be talking about that. Let's uh, let's let's go start with Love Camp Seven. We've already opened that. Uh, we've already opened that bunker, so we might as well go right into it. This motion picture is not a figment of the writer's imagination. It is based entirely on actual fact. Be prepared to let us take you inside. The barbed wire gates of love and seven. Both of these officers, having full knowledge of the assignment, have agreed to volunteer to help us. Your arrest and your subsequent imprisonment into the women's camp has all been prearranged by Captain Calais. Perhaps your mission has not been clearly explained to you. For the next five days, you are going to be whores for the Third Reich. 
Well, ladies, I trust you find yourself entirely refreshed after your little shower. I want to welcome you once more to Love Camp 7. You may find it difficult to believe that this motion picture is true. You may find it incredible that two young American women would volunteer to throw themselves into the unspeakable indignities and horrible humiliations of a Nazi love camp in order to serve their country. You will follow the factual story of two American girls who are taken prisoner by the Nazi Gestapo and placed in Love Camp 7, a camp where women were used like cattle entirely to service the pleasures and perversion of the Nazi frontline officers. Where are my notes for that? It's over here somewhere. Well, it's a Notes? Well, yeah. What are those? I have to have notes. I will stutter. I will talk over. <laughs> hey, just do me a favor. Just take your notes and throw them away. Because if you, <laughs> if you, if you read off notes, it will definitely go against everything we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, very much. All that up here. So, Love Camp Seven is uh, is a 1969 film, uh, women in prison slash Nazi exploitation film directed by Lee Frost. I believe it is one of the early, maybe maybe even the first Nazi exploitation film that kind of led to all these other ones. I enjoy Nazi Nazi exploitation. I am a fan of Night Porter. Uh, I'm definitely a fan of Salon Kitty. There's a recent one, recent-ish one called Black Angel. Um, it's also called Oh shoot, it escapes me. There's another uh, Senso Seven. No, Senso Thirteen. I don't know. Uh, there's another name for it as well, but that's um. But that's a really good one as well. I've dipped my toe into the Nazi exploitation. There's more that I wanted, Your I want to see. <laughs> There's, uh, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll talk about more, about more of them. So, um, Brad, what is your experience with Nazi exploitation? Um, it's one of those things where if you just go in blind, you might turn away real quick. <laughs> You, Real quick. Yeah, you need, honestly, maybe somebody that understands what the genre is and where it has went and how far it goes and what the kind of mean movies are out there versus kind of like the more maybe artsy-fartsy stuff like Salon Kitty, which you mentioned. Um, so I think it just – I think it depends um, – I honestly can't remember my first first Nazi uh, Nazi ploitation film. I mean, <laughs> I remember this up all. Yeah, again. I know. <laughs> I mean, I got into like Nazi zombies, and then I slowly got into the other genre. Um, but I mean, when I first kind of dipped into it, I was just like, man, I was like, these are just movies are just kind of mean, and I don't really get it. And then I kind of got into the, um, you know, the black Gestapo and I got into, you know, um, Ilsa, she wolf of the SS and, you know, she's got four movies out. I, I got into that. Um, so I learned to love it in a different way after just kind of forcing myself to watch everything. Um, I, they push limits, which I think is good, but sometimes those movies aren't for everybody. 
Um, and they're just hard to watch. And a lot of times, uh, what's a little disappointing, unless it's like, you know, you mentioned the Night Porter, the, uh, Ilsa films, um, they're not really rewatchable. That's another thing I always find a downer. But anyways, Anya, what, what do you, what do you think? Um, they're not for me. <laughs> this, this subgenre is not for me. Um, but I, I tried very hard, at least in my review during, uh, the Daily Grindhouse piece that I wrote, that, um, I tried not to bash people who were fans of it because it is a subgenre with a very big following. Um, that's, that's gaining more and more people every, every year, especially with every release that Blue Underground is doing. And so, um, I can appreciate how shocking it is and how, how envelope pushing it is. Cause I'm all about films that do that. Um, and I absolutely, there is one Nazi exploitation movie that I absolutely love. And that's Ilsa, she wolf of the SS. Yeah. But, uh, most of the other ones I'm, I'm not really a fan of. And it's weird and kind of contradictory, kind of, uh, uh hypocritical. That's what I'm looking for because I love women in prison films. And those are basically <laughs> the same thing, but without the Nazi insignia. That, that's, it's right. pretty much the same exact thing. And so I don't understand why I like one and not the other. And I, I'm guessing it has to be the, the swastika and the, the historical yeah. tethers yeah. That are tied to it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's something behind it. Cause I, I mean, I enjoy women in prison films. Um, but there's just, you know, historically with Nazis, I think we view it maybe subconsciously a little bit differently than we would something like, you know, women in chains or something like that. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm always on the fence. I do like the more art house Nazi exploitation. Man, I'm fucking that word up like crazy. <laughs> um, but, uh, you, you know, I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. And I think that is a little bit where it does stem from. Um, and honestly, when we have those films, there's a lot of war talk in the background and that's kind of boring. Um, with like women in prison films, it's, you know, normal fucking talk about the plot. But like when they're not the Nazi exploitation films, they're talking about the fucking war and stuff in a lot of these films. And it's just like, I don't really care, man. Just fucking get along with whatever you're going to do. Um, it's yeah. very, very talky with war, which has always kind of turned me off because I'm not a huge, uh, war movie fan, like big wars and like world wars, civil wars, those types of movies always kind of, turn me off a tiny bit so hmm. so it's that context well, that kind of annoys you yeah I, I guess you could say that um and plus there's certain ones that are just fucking really 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 mean and yeah. like i don't mind movies that are mean i actually like that sometimes but i at least want some type of point or maybe like an ultimate revenge or it's very brief and then, you know, something happens later on, like in a revenge plot. Um, but sometimes, like, if we want to pick out one, Love Camp 7, I appreciate certain things. I like certain things about it. But man, the fucking brutality in this movie is really heavy. And this is yeah. something you don't want to watch with your grandma, you know? And I watched it with my <laughs> grandma the other night. And she just had a, Are you no, serious? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you, yeah, this is something, and it's not rewatchable, you know, and I say that, I, this is my second time seeing it. I saw it probably when I was like, I don't know, 17 or 18 years old. Um, and I remember liking it a little bit more, but I think that's because I was younger and I kind of grew up and then I watched a bunch of other stuff and I was like, oh, okay, this is actually not, 
you know, great. It's just kind of there. So, and plus, this yeah. is a, well, this is one of the films you don't hear a lot of people talk about either in Nazi exploitation. So, right. anyways. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to turn anybody off of watching it. I I don't want to be one of those people that says this is garbage. Don't watch it. If, if this is up your alley, if this is the kind of film you think you might like, if you loved that, that I think it was Rob Zombie that did it, uh, for, for. (sighs) Oh, Werewolf (sighs) Women of the SS. Yeah. Werewolf Women of the SS. If you were all about that and that, that got your, your, your mojo rising, then absolutely (laughs) this is the kind of film that you should watch just because it's one of the, the, forefathers of that whole subgenre. But yeah. otherwise, if you're just kind of a middle of the road horror fan, eh, this this is a little <laughs> this is this is one of the more skippable ones for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's of note as like you guys have said that it is kind of, you know, the grandfather of this subgenre. And the the reason why I like films like Salon Kitty and um and, uh, oh gosh, what else was, what Black else was Angel? I saying? No, oh no, Night Porter and, and Black Angel. Um, they're like, Salon Kitty is like based off of a, of a real historical event. It's based off, there's a, there's an event called the Salon Kitty incident and where they took over, uh, a brothel in Berlin. They were placed, there were wiretaps and all the prostitutes. And they're trying to, you know, spy on Nazi party and, and foreign dignitaries and things like that. And they were trying, like, that's actually a real fascinating, you know, piece of World War II. So that makes that movie very interesting and, and, you know, like, I think watchable, even rewatchable. And, and they treat everything, like, you actually get to know, I believe, like, the women in this, in, in this brothel and you kind of, you know, get to see, the things that they're going through and you kind of, you know, latch onto, onto a couple and you really care. Like the problem with Love Camp 7 is, yeah, you're told the story. The story's been retold by an English gentleman who was in the war. He's, he's telling another, another young guy about the war and this incident. You don't really get a chance to latch on to, to the two main characters who are the spies that go into this brothel, into the, or this brothel war camp or whatever and into Love Camp 7. You, you kind of know who they are. They get put in there and there's a few things of exposition. And then it's just, you know, brutal moment after brutal moment after uncomfortable moment. Like there's just so much of that and so little story about these two characters that it gets, for me, it gets frustrating. And it's just, it, it's not, you know, by the end of the movie, when things go down, it doesn't feel as, uh, like as satisfying. Yeah, there's no. There, it feels like no one's overcoming anything. Um, and and the thing with what you're talking about, there's you know the same the same things go on, but there's something like erotic about you know like Black Angel and stuff like that. It, it's it's well, more, Black Angel is like this kind of yeah star-crossed lovers in a way, you right? Know, this but there's a little bit more there's sensuality this. to it. It's a little right. more erotic. Like, Love Camp 7 is just like, let's see how far, like, what is the fucking scene where they, like, hang them up by their, like, uh, back of their hands and they just beat their ass for, like, ten minutes? It's like, eh. Yeah. It's montage. Yeah, yeah may- maybe a montage on this one. If you're into that <laughs> voyeurism thing where, where people are beaten, then then that's, this is the film for you. But, yeah, I'm- yeah it's, it's not really for me. And, and <laughs> you, you're right. You don't really get to know the, the women characters and their revenge is pretty, pretty short lived. It's not very satisfying. Mm-hmm. 
But then again, you know, that might be my feminazi bias sneaking in there because it really isn't supposed to be a feminist film. Right. And so, you know, maybe, yeah, no, maybe I didn't, I'm I didn't get that at all. Things in there. Um, yeah. Even right. though I will note they do pass the Bechtel test. Bechtel, Be- Bechtel, <laughs> Bechtel. <laughs> what? How do you pronounce it? I've only ever read. I've always said Bechtel test, but Bechtel. I probably pronounced it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I always say Bechtel test. Yeah. I've only all right. Ever we could be wrong, but hey. It's one of those bookworm know, problems too. where you only read the word and you never actually have to say it out loud and then you sound like an idiot on a podcast. There you go. <laughs> um, I've never seen the movie Salo or 120 Days of Sodom. Um, I felt that that like that movie – I mean I've never seen I've just heard stories of it and it's pretty relentless. Like I heard I, – I felt like – this was like that version of that. I mean, it, the solo came like after this one, so. Um, yeah, you know. solo is a little bit different. I mean, it's it's it, probably different. Yeah, I know yeah, I've never seen it, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's I've, it's not honestly like of all the Nazi exploitation films I've seen, this is probably the roughest. And okay. it's bizarre because it's like the first. You know, like you would think that maybe like they would test the waters and then something would come out like you know, quote-unquote groundbreaking that that was a little bit rougher and harder. But this was, like, right out of the gate they came out with this one. And it was, um, you know, and and to speak on behalf of uh, the director, he has made a lot of, like, hardcore, um, like, women empowerment films where Mm -hmm. women do take revenge the entire time. I mean, there's... um, I was talking about the films the other day. He he does... uh, um, Police Women is a film where he, he has an all, basically all lady cop, uh, girl gang that, um, that just, uh, or actually, no, 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 it's, no, it's a, it's a one, it's a girl cop infiltrating an all girl gang. Um, and he has that. He also has that film, uh, I was talking about it, uh, D- um, Dixie Dynamite. Um, and it's about two girls that kind of take over, um, so anyways, it's just, he did uh, make up for it, I guess, a little bit, but the film is still, I don't know, but I agree with Anya, it, it, it's 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 not for me. If you like the hardcore brutality stuff, um, exploitation films that are just mean, yeah, this is definitely for you, but yeah. for people that are kind of on the fence of that stuff, uh, no. Yeah, not for casual kind of movie collectors, I, I think. You, this, like I said, this is, if you're into Nazi exploitation, like this is a good, like you've probably been waiting for this to come out anyway. Right. And this is a good kind of, if you're adding, if you're collecting Nazi exploitation films, like this is, you know, this is the one, like this is the one that kind of started it all. There's a, uh, a documentary on this, but hour long. I think it's directed or produced by Charles Band of all people called Nazi Thon Decadence and Destruction. Do it. Yeah, that sounds about right. So it's interesting. Like they kind of play it like more tongue in cheek. I was kind of not. I wasn't as satisfied with it because I was like I was looking for because this kind of subgenre is ripe for like a documentary about it and something that I think would take it seriously instead of kind of poking fun at it. Especially after after watching this film, I was like, this is a really weird documentary. <laughs> That's kind of tongue in cheek about Nazi exploitation after watching all these. You know, women uh, being tortured and, and raped. <laughs> not not really seeing the fun uh, in this, but but like I said, as a piece of history, I think this is an interesting film. And like Blue Underground, kind of tackling that release, like I think I can respect that. 
Yeah. I should note that there is rape in this film. There's sexual assault. There's mm-hmm. um, nude flagellation. There's a lot of full frontal nudity. If you're looking for Lady Bush, you're going to get it. Uh, there's boobs. There's there's even implied cunnilingus. That was my favorite one to write down. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't actually show the cunnilingus, but there there was definitely the implication. There were slurping sounds. There oh, was, yeah. Yeah, there was the whole thing. And I'm pretty sure that that's supposed to be cunnilingus. I, I bet you that's what pissed off no, the it- conservative uh, uh, censors the most is the implied cunnilingus. We can't have Probably. her being pleasured. We cannot. Cannot at <laughs> you all. You know, I heard that noise and I thought it was just like a speaker issue, like my speaker <laughs> popped or something. I know cunnilingus when I hear it. That's cunnilingus. <laughs> so I was like, wait a second, is that what's what's happening? Um but yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's 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 definitely a hard watch for those that are on the fence. So it, this is something that's not a popcorn flick where you're gonna be like snuggled up and watching, you know, a women in prison film. It's yeah. Yeah. I, I actually bought, I actually bought this instead of requesting a review copy because I was like, Nazi exploitation, let's do this. You know, <laughs> how, how are you <laughs> feeling about through, that? I was like, now. yeah, well, you know, some very nice person in Canada has just taken this off my hands for the price I bought it for. So, awesome. you know, it's fine. But, uh, but, but like I said, like just cause, I mean, just cause we're not into it. Doesn't I? I don't want to reflect anything negative on if if you're a person yeah. who does enjoy this I, film. I, I like think if you do and you understand the history, there's like this definitely is, an audience. I would say for this it. is a very good. Yes. This is a very good representation of this this film. There's a lot to dig through, and that the little the little booklet is really cool. It's a little uh uh by Paolo Zelati, a little essay called "The History of Nazi Exploitation," and it talks about all the films that we've been talking about here, and it's. It's a very, it's a quick read, but it's, it's very, you know, they, they cover a lot. And, uh, it's not condescending to the genre or the film, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So. Like we are. I tried so hard. I don't think we're being, I don't think we're being. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come on. Come on. I'm surprised that there's no, um, that there's no, like, commentary by some sort of historian or anything like that. Like, I feel like there's some missed opportunity, I think. Uh, for this film, but maybe you know, maybe they couldn't find anybody. Yeah, they usually have that kind of thing, don't they? Usually mm-hmm. have like uh, I think for Tenebrae, they used to ha- they had like an Argento expert, like this person had for for the Stendhal sy- Stendhal Stendhal syndrome. They yeah. had a they had like a person whose like entire life's work was Argento, and they did a commentary. <laughs> so I'm surprised that they didn't have anything like that for Nazi exploitation, because I'm sure there's mm-hmm. someone out there. Who's, yeah, oh, there's got to be. Got yeah, a absolutely. got a concentration in Nazi film studies. <laughs> I mean, it's for me, it's one of the most interesting subgenres, you know, out there. Like, like I said, I've graduated, I've gra- gravitated towards the more kind of erotic thriller type ones. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think Night Porter is. It's a, there's a Criterion release of it, and I think that's actually a really stunning film and like a very beautiful film, but also very interesting and and um so there's hard to watch moments in that movie too, movie too but there's a lot to think about with that film like you know because uh there's that moment in the night porter when the, the war has ended and they you know these two who've who've had this this past one one being a nazi one being a, a captive woman meet up and like, you know, bump into each other or in in the hotel later on after the war and that's I mean, I'm sure all that stuff happens. So I, I think about that stuff. You know, that's, that's a fascinating, fascinating time in history when like 
the, the almost like the most brutal warfare was going on and also the war ended and here everyone is in Europe just trying to get by you know with their lives including former Nazis I mean it's, it's just fascinating to think about uh, that one in particular Night Porter I haven't seen yet I've only seen a yeah. few of the Nazi exploitation movies because it's not really my thing but um that I would one, recommend that. Like Salon Kitty to is a little more erotic than brutal and and it's that it's It's a fun. yeah, it's a, it's a story it's a, about a relationship. Like it's very much about this odd relationship through this time. So it's got yeah. a little I would definitely recommend it. It's got a little something to it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, about, those yeah. films are actually pretty good, yeah. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. No, it's not even on the same wavelength as Love Camp 7 really other than it yeah. just deals with Nazis. Yeah, so I'd say even if you didn't like Love Camp Seven, if you think that's all what Nazi Nazi exploitation is, like venture out. Like there's other ones. Like what would you guys recommend? Like Brad, you mentioned, uh, was it the the she whatever? What yeah, Elsa Woman. Elsa. Elsa. Elsa films. There's four of them. Um, but yeah, the Black Gestapo, which I think is also directed by Lee Frost. Okay. Um, you know that's that's out. I forget who someone put that out recently. I thought. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think what you mentioned in those, I think that's a good place to start. Um, and then if you dig those, then maybe dig deeper with some of the other stuff. And like, you know, there's some modern, uh, Nazi, uh, ploitation films. God, I just can't fucking say it. I swear to God. Iron Sky. All your Iron uh, Sky yeah. about moon Nazis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Iron Sky, yeah, I, it's not great. <laughs> it's not Nazi exploitation. Hey, well, it's kind of. Kind of. It wants yeah. to be, you know. Um, I, I think it's, I don't think you can recreate a lot of these genres anymore. You can only kind of homage them and kind of try to reinvent them. And I think that's what a few of these filmmakers have done. Yeah. I think Iron Sky is is one of those films that's kind of Nazi exploitation, but without being as problematic. Hashtag problematic. Right, <laughs> it's, right, it's, it's right. A little bit more woke friendly, I would say. <laughs> In that it's just it's just campy. It's just campy yeah. trash, and it's the good kind Definitely. of campy trash. Definitely. Have you uh, have you seen the the Verhoeven film? Uh, is it Black Book? No. No, I haven't. It's, an, it's another one that deals with uh, World War Two, and it gets. There's some scenes where our main character has to go in, and, and she gets captured. And there's it, there's some brief scenes that remind me of kind of Nazi exploitation, but uh, but it's, it's Verhoeven, so it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a really well he- done. Heavy hitter to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, can we move on from Nazi exploitation? Sure. Please. So I don't have to say it anymore. <laughs> I was curious because I was watching this on and I was thinking, I was like, I, I really wonder what, you know, cause what a, what a, a woman would think about this film. What so a I was like, there was nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I know my wife for sure would have a lot of problems with this film, but, um, but, but I, yes, it's, you know, I'm wondering what the culture was like in 1969 too. I, I try to think about that too. Like what was, you know, where was feminism in 1969? Like, you know, what, what was going on? And- right. And with, with a lot of European uh, films, a lot of these exploitation films came about because a lot of their, especially in Italy, because their censorship laws um, kind of relaxed a little bit. 
They didn't have to uh, adhere to these very strict rules with the content of their films. And so they decided to just go hog wild. And you got, you know, your Bava films, you got your Fulci films, you got your Nazi exploitation films. And so a lot of them went nuts with it. And I, I can't hate on that, you know, that, that, that freedom that they had creatively. Um, it's mm-hmm. just eh, sometimes the execution and the, the, the end product wasn't for me, but it might be for right. you, listener. Right. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Let's move on to the next movie here. Uh, this is 1972's Raw Meat. Oh, yeah. AKA, AKA Deathline. I'm, I'm glad you said it. Beneath modern London, in plague ridden tunnels, <laughs> a tribe of once humans, neither men nor women, they are less than animals. The raw meat of the human race. Who stalks those deadly shadows? Whose cry echoes their horror? Whose blood will flow when they strike again? Fuck this Deathline title, Blue Underground. I don't... I don't know where Deathline came from because once I found out it was raw meat, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I've heard of this film. Like, I hadn't seen it. Exactly. But when I saw like, their cover of some crazy guy in a subway, it's basically you know, the cover looked of like BBD. Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie. Okay. <laughs> Rob Zombie in a, in a subway. I don't know what this is. Right. I don't know what Deathline is. Um, but then I, you know, flipped over the cover and I see this amazing artwork for raw meat. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. I've heard of this. Exactly. So you had messaged me about this movie and I was like, well, yeah, I think I've seen it. I looked it up really quick before I sent you an answer and I was like, Oh, raw meat. Yes. I know this one. This is the Donald Pleasance one. Yes. Totally seen it. And I loved it. Donald Pleasance as inspector Calhoun he is trying to figure out why people are possibly disappearing in a nearby subway. And uh, it turns out that uh, this lone descendant of underground cannibals uh, is picking off people uh, one by one. Darn tootin'. And it's up to Donald Pleasance to find out what's up. And drink tea. Lots of tea. <laughs> and drink so a lot tea. of tea. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you do. He's like a tea connoisseur. He's like, he's like those people that are really, uh, I mean, I like coffee, but I'm not crazy. Like I was in a coffee shop once and I asked for sugar and this guy looked at me like I was just like an idiot. He's like, we have honey. Philistine. Yeah. <laughs> How dare I ask for sugar in my How coffee? This is Ethiopian. How dare you? There's some sh- honey over there if you want it sweet. By what right, How sir? How dare you drink the sweet? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when Donald Pleasant's like, when she says, well, he goes, do you have any tea? And she goes, well, we have, we have tea bags. And then he's like, tea bags? You know, what the hell? He, All right. like, <sighs> he has disdain for everybody he works with in this film. And I kind of love it. He's kind of Oh, he's like, a total he's dick. Great. Yeah. Right. He bitches about tea. He bitches when he gets a possible case to work on. He bitches about the incompetence of the constables. He bitches about the missing persons he's supposed to be finding. He is 300% <laughs> over everyone's shit and he doesn't mind letting everyone know it. 
And I'm kind of loving it. At one point in a missing persons investigation, he questions a witness who claims to have seen that person just before they disappeared again. And he acts like a complete dick to this poor guy. He interrogates him. He accuses him of theft. And before the witness leaves, Inspector Calhoun shouts, and get a haircut. Like, if this movie were made today, he would have been the guy that called the witness like a snowflake libtard or whatever, <laughs> whatever the, the British equivalent of that pithy insult attempt would right. be. He was awesome in this role. I think he was having a lot of fun with this role. Yeah, no, he's he's the highlight. Um, I think that was Sean's favorite part. Uh, mm-hmm. Part two was uh, and the one scene of him and Christopher Lee. Yes, I was like. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, I want, I want dinner with Andre, but with Christopher Lee and Donald Pleasance. <laughs> the exchange was so good. The dialogue in that scene, it was wonderful. I had a good time with that. Yeah, and maybe I, I wanted more. I was like, where, where is he coming back? When's, when's Christopher Lee coming back? Right. And he never came back. And it was, I think they had worked with each other before, Donald Pleasance and Christopher Lee. Um, I don't, I don't know. They had to have, right? <laughs> I have no idea. But they, I know they were, they were both up for the role of Sam Loomis in the Halloween series. Oh. And Christopher Lee was up for the role, but he turned it down. And I read somewhere that he, he regretted that decision, which is kind of cool. And hmm. he, he's, Christopher Lee is there in all of his Christopher Lee goodness. As I'm trying this, to picture Christopher Lee as Sam Loomis right now. I don't I know if it works. It. Yeah. I can't do it. He would, he would be a little more serious. The thing yeah. that's great about Donald Pleasance is like Donald Pleasance has a way of hamming it up, but still like somehow remaining like a little bit grounded. Like you're kind of like, yeah, I, I get this guy, but he, I don't know, like every, like, cause he was in phenomena that we talked about last week and, you know, trying to do like a Scottish accent. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he's here, um, this you know this pretentious uh tea drinker <laughs> and and then the halloween films he just gets he goes crazy he goes nuts well yeah it's but, he, it's, but it's always he's on the like verge of losing yeah he's on the verge of like losing it in halloween and then but i mean that that shows that you know he you know i i guess range we can call it right. but i mean having kind of that borderline like kind of crazy doctor who is super serious at times, but at times it looks like he's losing it. Then you get to like Deathline where he's, you know, very condescending and a total dick. And then in Phenomena, he's kind of caring, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I mean, he has three films like right there where he's, you know, he, he, he does utilize what he has. He, he's a, he's a decent actor and he's very memorable in his movies. And I, that's, that's what I like about him is that, uh, you know, it's, it's very much, you know, you can remember when Donald's, Donald Pleasance is in a film because he does impact, he, he has that, um, you know, just that look on screen. He, he just has that feeling. Um, he always takes that character and makes it memorable. And that's what I like about him. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be able to see Christopher Lee as Loomis right now. That's, that's tough. Nah. It is a little weird. I'm glad Donald Pleasant's got the role. I feel like, like, this, like, tall, dark, and daunting, like, you know, doctor who isn't afraid of Michael Myers. That's what I think. Cause, like, what Donald Pleasant is, he's legitimately, like, scared to death. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Christopher Lee's a good actor, but I don't know if I've ever seen Christopher Lee pull something like it off. He always plays, like, that dark and brooding character. You know, um, you know, very, uh, you know, just very care, like not carefree, I guess you could say, but like, um, kind of empathetic, 
You know, I, I I don't know. I just I don't I don't see it. But I do like them together in this film when they meet in the um, uh, what is a person's house or whatever. Yes, it's uh, a it's a, it's a really good exchange. That guy, yeah, he's like a well-to-do missing person who also happens to be a civil servant, and he's got this. <laughs> Well, the exchange between them is amazing, and he has this, Christopher Lee has a sweet line, I, I wrote it down here, your dainty little footsteps are echoing in places where one is well advised to tread lightly. And it was like this total, like... Such a Christopher Lee line. <laughs> right, it was like, walk away, this is none of your concern. And and then the best part happens is, what, what was his name, Donald Pleasance, he mouths back to him, he goes, fuck you, but like super quiet. <laughs> and I, I had to turn back the scene and like, put it really loud like did he really just say that did donald Pleasant just say fuck you and he really did um the whole scene between them is one with some really great dialogue and i kind of wish that we could get our own little spin-off movie of just the two of them hating each mm-hmm. other like this buddy cop kind of movie oh man wouldn't that be great that'd be amazing <laughs> oh man a buddy cop movie with both of them yeah well, right. it is established <laughs> in that in that what three five minutes that they have a strained history and that they hate each other's yeah. fucking guts and i just i need yeah. i need that to be a full feature length movie because like christopher lee's like he's like an mi he's like a he's like a james bond type guy he's like he mi5 is. or whatever he's an MI5 yeah agent yeah and he he like kind of apparates into the room in the very beginning like he just mm-hmm. pops up out of nowhere and he he disappears just as quickly too um, it's like, I, I feel like he was just around for the weekend or something. Like they, they're like, we got to work him in here. Like, I'm curious how his involvement, you know, happened in this film. Cause I, he wasn't a struggling actor at that time. Like in 1972, he'd done a whole lot of hammer horror stuff. Right. I mean, he was a well-known name he in 1972. Yeah. He, he went with so this. I, I, <laughs> Maybe in the booklet they'll have a little thing about the maybe they had the booklet I should have read. Refer some to information the in here. <laughs> ah, found it. It's a different cut. That's what it is. Rami, it's a different cut or Deathline? Is Deathline? Well, yeah, the, the, yeah. It's so basically, it's called Deathline in the UK. Um, mm. Came out over there. The US picked it up, recut it, and then titled it Raw Meat. So Deathline mm. is. Uh, cut a little bit differently, and it looks like there's some added scenes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the reason why. So they give us the death line cut, and that's the reason why they wanted to stick to death line to make sure that the people did not think it was the raw meat cut. They wanted the fully gotcha. uncut and, um, not really uncensored, but just kind of what the, you know, Gary Sherman originally intended, which I guess is the death line cut. Right. So that's the reason you know, if they why. released it as if they released it as raw meat, they would get all these questions. Is it the uncut version? Is it UK? Is it UK version? Yeah. Uh, Deadline is so, uncut. Is it uncut? So sorry, sorry, Blue Underground has given you shit. Um, but yeah, I do prefer the title raw meat <laughs> just because it sounds more badass, and that's what I yeah. grew up on. Um, honestly, I've seen raw meat probably like ten times in my life. I don't know. I can't. I didn't notice anything. Maybe it's something small. Maybe just some scenes are rearranged, and I because I can't memorize scenes in order. Um, maybe maybe that's maybe that's what it was. All right, I have information about how Christopher Lee got involved. Maybe we in should the film. maybe we should like if we like research this like a real show. That would <laughs> be know. so cool. 
Well, why we got like the, we, we got already the right like here. we here already we knew it. Like we're discovering it right now. You know what? We're hey, we're the people's people. Oh, we totally we're, are. We're, I agree. We're we're on your listener. We're on your level. Oh yeah. We don't talk down. No. So here we go. Here we go. So so uh, I believe it's Paul Malinowski. The producer was was responsible for getting another major name into Deathline. His first film as a producer was the 1964 Italian-lensed chiller Castle of the Living Dead, starring Christopher Lee as the villainous Count Drago. Aha. Quote, Paul was having dinner with Christopher Lee one night, Sherman says, who's Sherman, the director, uh, and told him, I'm doing this movie with a young American director and Donald Pleasance. No, Sherman's not the director. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, Christopher Lee said, if I can have a scene with Donald Pleasance, I'll be in your movie. As long as I don't have to wear fangs. So we came up with a scene for him and Donald that did not previously exist in the script. And Siri and I wrote the part of this upper class MI5 guy who really nails the whole class distinction thing. But you kept saying Sherman's not the director. Gary Sherman is the director Gary of Deathline. He is the director. I know, but you said he but wasn't. Then why is he... I'll, I, but, uh, 100% sure Gary Sherman directed this movie. He did. So why would Gary Sherman talk about he's doing this movie with the young American director? Mm. Maybe it's a miss. Oh, maybe Molinowski, okay, Molinowski, Paul met him and said, I'm doing this movie with an American, young American director. Got it. Here we go. Sorry. Hey. You don't have to reread it. Don't, God, don't reread it. It's been a long day. I, you know, had a little bit of whiskey before we record started, so I'm not. Oh, I had vodka. Mm-hmm. Nice. Twinsies. A little a little relaxed and loosey goosey. Oh man, you are loosey goosey. <laughs> I will note that Gary Sherman also directed Poltergeist Three, Vice Squad, and Dead and Buried. Yeah. Oh, I'm a huge oh, yes. Dead and Buried's awesome. I'm a huge fan of Vice Squad. That is no. a mean movie that I like. If we wanna so people are like, Oh bro didn't like Love Camp Seven, he's not hardcore. I love Vice Squad and that movie is mean <laughs> as fuck. So, because uh, you know, Brad, to be a horror fan, you gotta be hard. I have to love brutality. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so I really like Deathline, and Sean, you need to be honest. Um, I really like Deathline. I like how the sense of dread kicks in. I like that you know that intermix with Donald Pleasance being kind of a dick, where the comedy aspect comes into play. Um, I kind of like how there's this maybe some exposition between this cannibal family that has existed that's slowly like the exposition that's hey, hey. <laughs> is that the exposition that you're is, talking about? That is yeah, verbatim. two lines but, in the movie right there. <laughs> All right, but you hold on, I need to be, I need to be pounding like a raw some flesh. Hey, there there's go. movies that. Um, <laughs> How's that? You're, st- you're you know, sounding like Elephant Man now. Yeah. <laughs> you can have two characters do sign language on a film and it just, and it, they get a point across. It gets the point across okay. because right. there is that relationship between them. Um, whether it's, you know, an evil past, but there's nothing, it doesn't ever seem like they're, like when they're together, kind of the evil subsides. And the cannibal, you don't really think of it, it kind of humanizes them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you have like that long, my favorite shot of the movie is when they go around in the room, yes. basically showing all the bodies and then they go up to him and, you know, she's laying there. I, I like that because, you know, it, 
it does humanize those two characters for a split second and to the point where they're not really scary, but then he gets scary again when after things happen and he gets out, like it gets a little frightening. There's the, the subway attacks are, I think very well done and, and creepy and frightening. And when he just starts yelling, mind the doors, um, I thought, I thought that's a great sequence. Mm. It's, 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 you know, when he says that, like it's, it's kind of funny at first, but then it just gets creepy because I, I imagine just in the fucking subway hearing that, you know, someone saying that. I think that is kind of dreadful. And you get to see that with the characters, like when they hear that, the, the sense of dread that overcomes them. So I, I, I like the film. Yeah, it is a little bit slow to start, but I think it has a lot of kind of different feelings and, and, and different, um, different aspects of it that I really like between the comedy and the horror and kind of just the sense of dread. Um, Anya, what's your take on Deathline? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I think that to, to build upon what you said, that there is definitely an interesting narrative going on with these underground cannibal people. One where I would, I would, contrast it with the hills have eyes where they're the dregs of society that they've forgotten and they're definitely humanized like you said they live down there for generations until there's pretty much one dude left and rather than simply making him a villain the film kind of uh, personalizes him with this grief over his lost partner and this loneliness as he screams into this hollow echoey chamber um and there's also kind of a, a bride of frankenstein feel to it as he kidnaps um, a young woman and holds her captive. He, he tries to kind of use her as a replacement for his, his dying dead partner. And through only grunts and gestures, he conveys his intentions. Like, I'm here, you're here, cause I dragged you here against your will. We can make beautiful <laughs> flesh eating music together, you know, let's do this. And it's this bizarre version of those Pepe Le Pew cartoons. And kind of like those cartoons that the female, she's having none of it. She's having absolutely none of it. And I think that Hugh Armstrong, the guy who played the man in this movie, he, he does a really good job in his role. He deserves a little bit of kudos for pretty much grunting his way through the whole role, but still bringing a little bit of humanity to it. Yeah. And they, and they have those, and they're basically like, even though like they're mumbling and they're making noises, there's still that conversation. I mean, you got to think of, of, you know, history of, of two people, like you can have a conversation with somebody just by looking at them by body language and anything else. Uh, you know, and we, we've watched movies like that, you know, so, so between silent films with text coming up on the screen to, you know, a film like the tribe where, you know, everything is, uh, I mean, it's a really hard watch if you've never, I don't really want to ruin the tribe for anybody, but the tribe's the same way. I mean, there's no lines of dialogue in that film. Um, you know, it's just, you know, sign language and, you know, people communicating other means. So, uh, and I think with that element, they can humanize those two characters where it's like, cause if you just saw two fucking batshit people eating, you know, eating people and then got together and just talked, they would still be evil. Like, you know, they, they, you know, we have the fucking, um, um, natural born killer fucking, you know, duo or something like that. This, there is at least she's hurting and he understands that. And, you know, even though they're evil and they're eating people, even though they probably can't help it because maybe that's how they were raised. Right. That's, um, that's all they know. 
Yeah, that, that's that's and that's what we know. And I think not too many horror films go that route. Uh, the evil person is always evil. Um, you know, and I think when they humanize the villain, um, it makes it a little bit different watch. Um, uh, I, I don't know if it, I, I can't really say like if he was always like, let's say the character was living in the shadows the entire time and it was kind of, he wasn't revealed until the end. He would be that dark and brooding character that would be really scary that you would be hearing, you know, yell, mind the doors, or scraping something along the wall like fucking Freddy Krueger. That would be frightening. Uh, we don't get that. We get him, first and foremost, out there on the screen uh, in a very well-lit area um, trying to comfort his, you know, his wife. Um, it's probably more than his wife. Now that I think about it, um, <laughs> <laughs> it might be a little bit more relationship right there. But still, like, I don't know. It's it's, it's a different watch for me. You don't see too many movies hmm. that do that with villains. And that's why I really like Deathline. I couldn't tell you all that in text that's, yesterday. No, no, I, 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 I'll be honest. I was uh, pretty dismissive of Deathline. <gasps> <laughs> I loved Donald Pleasance's, uh, I loved him in it. Like, I was like, just give me a detective story with Donald Pleasance. I didn't, I didn't need anything else. I didn't like, uh, the young couple. Um, I was like, what'd I say? I said, uh, here we go. Donald Pleasance steals the film. Hobo killer, not scary. Young leads are dumb. <laughs> that was my text to you. Immediately after watching it, I don't. I don't think the. Or no, continue. F- finish your an- analysis. And then I said, "Take the killer and the young couple out of the movie, and I'd love it." LOL. <laughs> LOL. Is that your film analysis? But I, are you done? But I. No, no, no. I'm not done. Um, Go ahead. But like I said, like there's elements of it that I love. But the thing is that I loved about the film, the Christopher Lee and the Donald Pleasance scene, like Donald Pleasance as the detective. Like I loved him. For some reason, I didn't really like the, the man, the man, you know, didn't scare me. Like, I guess I didn't look at it because you guys are kind of looking at him like as a sympathetic, uh, villain in, in very, in many ways. And you're kind of, you know, like looking at his situation and kind of and having, having sympathy for, for him. And I, I just didn't at all. I was just, just kind of very dismissive of it. I was just like, you know, it didn't really do anything for me. So it's, it's interesting hearing your guys' takes on it, which I, I can totally see that now thinking about it. Um, but it's, it's one of those that I would definitely, um, I, I want to, to dive into it more. I think there's the more of the history behind it, behind it and everything to me. Cause I don't think it's a bad movie. It just didn't hook me. Hmm. Hmm. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't I got, know what to tell you. I don't, I don't have too much to say. I mean, it's fucking Gary fucking Sherman. <laughs> I, I know it's Gary Sherman. I like, and I, I like his other films more more than this one. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can have my I can have my own opinions, Brad. <laughs> no, you can. It's just you know, I don't know. I I, I feel <laughs> no. I, I'm just saying. Like I feel that Gary Sherman and e- even the team. You know, the actors, they brought something really special to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, that horror movies, uh, honestly, you could probably count in all your fingers and toes how many horror films actually do take this route. And there's not too many. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's why I like it. You know, 
Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, right. like something like even in Rob Zombie's Halloween, um, you know, when, when they try to humanize Michael, but he's still just a little shit. You know, um, I, I, I think that's kind of where it, it fell. But I, I think characters can, uh, be scarier if you get to know them. Maybe their mm-hmm. motivations a little bit more rather than just being the guy that lurks in the shadows. Um, I think knowing who your killer is is a lot more frightening. Um, you know, cause who's scarier, the Zodiac or Ted Bundy? How about both? I'm, I'm scared of both. Uh, no, no. I, I would, God, what's a bad example? Cause yeah, both. I don't know if that's a bad example. But maybe the Zodiac a little more because the Zodiac could still be out there. It's Ted Cruz. <laughs> no, but I'm, I, okay. Sorry, maybe, lame maybe, old political joke from last no, year. But I know maybe what you're I'm, getting at. Yes. Maybe I'm alone on that one, <laughs> but I think knowing people, their background in history and motivations, that's mm-hmm. a lot more, that's a lot scarier than thinking of walking down a dark street at night. For me, yeah. at least. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, and, and I get it. Like, I'm, I'm like a bit bummed that I didn't, you know, it didn't hook me as much. I'm, I'm, you know, but it definitely, like, I think that there's, you know, pardon the pun, there is meat on the bones of this film. And I think that it's one, yeah, I know, yeah. Jesus but Christ, I, But I think John. it's, it's, waka, waka, waka. <laughs> I wasn't trying to make a joke. I was just, I, I, I couldn't think of anything better to say. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just run with this. But I, no, but I think there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot to chew on. What? Oh my what? god! See, that was Dude. that was bad. Just walk, walk. just tell us what the <laughs> fuck you're gonna say. Cue the Fozzie Bear gif. There needs to be more. No, there needs to be more. Anya and I agree. There needs to be more Fozzie Bear Waka Waka gifts. <laughs> I would use the shit out of those. I got a lot of dad jokes, everybody. I would use it for every single dad joke. Well, this is one of anyway. Edgar Wright's favorite horror films. I will not. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, I can see why. I think this is a gem that more people need to see. I will say for people who haven't seen this movie yet that it is a little bit more police procedural than it is cannibal film. I don't want people to go in there expecting mm-hmm. cannibal holocaust or the hills. Oh, yeah, no, it is not no. that movie. It's, uh, it's definitely a little more, uh, slow building and it's more tragic than, than those two films. So don't go in expecting. Well, now you guys got me like wanting to watch this again. I I need to reevaluate this. Maybe you should. I mean, you you should. Damn you guys! I I don't <laughs> know if it's a damn, but yeah, I I remember even. No, you you both make really good points. I see this. Um, yeah, I think when he uh, Edgar Wright did his top like one thousand uh, films of all time. Uh, th- this was one of the ones that was on there, and I, I was really happy to see there was a there was like two films that I was really happy to see on his list because I always thought they weren't talked about enough. Was um, and I think the other one's a Blue Underground movie. Oddly enough, it's uh Raw Meat and Venom with um oh, okay. um shit. I just forgot the names. God damn, the guy that's in the Devils. Oh, uh, big fucking uh, mustache. <laughs> God damn it, Oliver Reed. Yeah, Oliver Reed and um wow, I guess I'm awful. I'm oh, awful you were person. on a roll today. <laughs> it's not Kla- is it not Klaus Kinski? Is it Klaus Kinski? Yeah, yeah. Klaus Kinski. Yeah, Kla- yeah. Klaus, Klaus Oliver Kinski. Reed. Yeah, Oliver Reed. So yeah, he had both of those films and I was like, fuck you know. So <laughs> Is that what you I've like? always liked what? 
Can you say that again? I say that. I say that now. I can't repeat it. It's got to be natural. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know. I, I love. I love. I love both of the movies. And I think Venom is a Blue Underground release, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, hell yeah, they uh, they had the special edition. They're just getting ready to release the single disc disc of edition, or they just released the single disc stripped down version of of Venom. So if you missed it the first time, you at least can can grab the movie. Out of all the movies we're talking about today, this is the one that I I would recommend over any other one. I like this one. Okay, it's a good one. Cool. Don't listen. I can respect that. It was, it was good. Uh, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, like I, for it, for some reason, I just didn't fucking get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it's me. Yeah, mo- movies, it's not movies you, it's me. Movies aren't for everybody or this movie isn't for everybody. It's, it's understandable. But I, you know, there's a lot I did enjoy. So no, I mean, I, I really, really appreciate, um, your guys' takes on it. And, and I, I, I would imagine most people who listen probably will side with both of you, uh, as opposed to me. I'm probably getting, I'm probably, Gonna get a lot of shit this episode. Oh, I think we all no, agree though that this fun. is this is top notch Donald Pleasance. This is good Donald Pleasance. Right oh here. fuck yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Donald Pleasance. Yeah, if you're studying Donald Pleasance, this is probably one of his I, my favorite roles he's ever done. So it's pretty goofy. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> so this one, this disc is pretty stacked. It has uh an audio commentary with co writer and director Gary Sherman. Uh, the producer, Paul Maslansky, mm. and then assistant director, Lewis Moore O'Farrell. There's also an interview with, uh, with Sherman and, and, and a couple of executive producers. There's, uh, there's a few inter- interview with, uh, Hugh Armstrong and then an interview with, uh, David Ladd and, uh, again, Paul Maslansky. Ooh. And they got a shit ton of, uh, other things, radio spots, TV spots, and all that stuff. So they, they stack this one. Like this is one that I, you know, with, with all, with the shit that I've given it, I would definitely dive into all this stuff to hear everyone out. Cause it's a, for me, like I, I, I would never write this film off. Like it's, it's something that I would definitely would want to dig into a little more. Even if I didn't like the film as a whole. You know what you might like? Um, uh, it's a Diodato film. Donald Pleasance, Michael York. And, um, uh, Edward Finnich, she's, uh, she's in it too. It's, um, Oh, you had me at, 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 at Edwin, 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 Edwin Finnich. Uh, I'll, fa- I'll say it really fast. Stop. Phantom, Phantom of Death, I think it's called, <laughs> where he plays a, um, where he plays a detective as well. And Michael York is the lead in it. And it's, it is, it is really good. I think you would enjoy that one. If you like mm. Donald Pleasance being kind of like that type of character. <laughs> Donald Pleasancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are we, what are we on next? Uh, First, the Fox. Then Teresa and Isabel. And now, flesh and blood behind cold iron bars, driven beyond the limits of endurance, forced to perform degrading acts which strip them of all humanity. Oh yeah, 99 oh, Women. Well, let's I've talk about, about 99 yeah. Women. I've seen 99 Women. I haven't women. seen it, but let's talk about it. And then there was, For there was sure. Yeah. all too. Well, am I the only one who yeah. watched 99 Women? No, I did. Yeah. Okay. 
This, I mean, I, so this one, yeah, I didn't like it. So <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's jump well, into the Well, I think this is a good comparison with, uh, you know, Love Camp 7 and then 99 Women. They're both women in prison films, but have a different reason why they're in prison, you know? So, I mean, we did talk about the Nazi stuff and I think we both agreed, like, you know, kind of the history of the Nazis, how we have a different outlook on the movie, maybe. Yes. Well, this one does not. So what was your, what was your thing on this? Like, what was your, uh, opinion and why didn't you like it? Um, now this is a Jess Franco movie and yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of people, uh, really like this director and I, I do too for the most part. This one just, just didn't, uh, hit all the bases for me. Um, it was also known as Isle of Lost Women, Prostitutes in Prison and The Hot Death to give you an idea of what kind of movie you're getting Ooh, into. The hot death. The hot death, yeah. <laughs> I, I prefer uh, prostitutes in prison. Let's get down to it, Damn. shall we? Um, <laughs> now, in this movie, uh, there's a girl named Marie. She's the new inmate, and she arrives at this island prison in the women's sector and gets the number 99. And the inmate, inmates are controlled by this sadistic, lesbian warden named mm. Thelma Diaz and Governor Santos is her boss and they're submitted to torture and rape and lesbianism mm. and the minister lesbianism yes. is, it, is that, is that the way to say, say that it with an exclamation point like a like a Batman <laughs> insert uh, when the minister yeah. of Just, justice replaces Diaz with <sighs> Lanny Lanny some chick um, Marie believes that her life will be improved and that her case will be reopened now this is a classic women in prison film and the role of the director uh the the woman director is played with some very sadistic zeal i'm loving that i I like a good woman director who is brutal i don't know why i just do and it's nice to see a woman villain doing the brutalizing in the genre um this movie this movie is porn it is straight up porn i'm gonna tell you right now that's what this is this is what you're getting into um, and that's not bad. That's not a mark against the film. I have no problem with it. We don't kink shame here. I don't know how they do it. You just sold like 20 copies, by the way. Right. Did you know the shame. hardcore shots in the French version were shot by Bruno Mattei? Oh, there you go. There you go then. Now. That's interesting. What, the one beef <laughs> that I had with this film is that the rape scenes are a bit hashtag problematic. They're a bit problematic. Mm. I think that. For Franco, it's Franco. not, my pages are crinkling. It's not enough that these women are graphically raped, but he decided to go full problematic by kind of filming the rapes in such a way as to lessen the brutality of the act by drowning, drowning out the woman's cries and screams with this beautiful soft music. And it's this, oh, it's the same music that they used for these consensual or masturbatory sex scenes. And it's really unsettling. I didn't, I didn't like it at all. Uh, it really took me out of the, the rising mojo of the film. The rest of it is great. It's straight porn. That's what you're getting. And I'm okay hmm. with that part. And I'm even okay with the Did you watch and the, the, the flogging and, and the, the punishments that the women receive. I'm all about it. That's great. But these rapes were really weird. There's even one chick that gets raped as she, she gets knocked out. And he, this dude just yeah. kind of goes to town on her. And mm. I was like, ah, I'm not down with this. I'm not, I'm not enjoying this movie anymore. Now, did you watch the French version or the, uh, I did watch the French version. Or I guess the, the, I did. Okay. So that's the, that's the X rated version of the yes. film is the French version with the inserts by Bruno Mattei 
who he was one of the editors of the it's film. It's weird that so. he shot the porno stuff and just Franco loves porno. Right. Like, it's really bizarre. Like, hmm. Maybe he has a certain style. Yeah, he brought in actors that weren't a part of the main production to do these inserts. Right. Yeah. It was just uh, fascinating. But I mean, you know, other than those quick little rape scenes, it was it, it wasn't it wasn't bad. I kind of like the envelope pushing uh, of it. I I enjoyed the rest. Other of Other than the problematic rape, problem <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I want to read off some of these taglines for the film. They are. They yeah, are glorious. go for it. Okay, you got women behind bars without men. What do they do to satisfy their innermost female desires? All right. Mm. You got. Due, I wonder that. Yeah. Due to the subject matter of this film, only the very mature will be admitted. That's your, that's your hook. That's the one that gets people <laughs> in seats right there. Now, my favorite one is 99 women behind bars without men. That's it. There you go. Mm. This is what you're getting. <laughs> Women with yeah, I was hoping like with men. with the you know without men it would have been a little bit more sexy, but some dudes show up. So they do, they show up yeah. and show out. Yeah, this is a this so is a first this, for me. This or orange is the new black. <laughs> <laughs> I would go with this actually over orange is the new black. Wow, yes. okay, because you're not you're not really wasting time with all that that feminist uh, characterization. <laughs> It depends on what you want. If you're if you're straight going for sensationalism right. and and lesbianism, this is what you want to go with. I mean, you get that in Orange is the New Black, but not not as much. You got to wade through all this this progressive woke shit that you're not going to get here in this 1969 movie. But if you want, right. you know, your characters to matter and whatnot, then I guess you can go with Orange is the New Black. Yeah, so um, Blue Underground, I believe, released both of these. Um, yeah. They're not – the t- two versions are separate, which I thought was a little yes, weird. two discs. Yeah. So th- well, they did – no, they have a a version that's that with the French French version and then they just have the regular version. Oh, oh, oh so there's like what, a two-disc edition and then a three-disc no, edition? No, they're all – they're both three-disc I believe because okay. – and then – there's a sticker on the front that says Notorious French Version. And I think those actually might be sold out. I think it's due to get some in stores. Because uh, the French... You can get it direct from them. Yeah, well, the X... It's it's really is X-rated because it, it yeah. shows some shit. The, the other one... Um, I actually... I have seen the, uh, the French version because I looked it up because I realized that I just had the regular version. And I was like, oh, what's this French version about? And I was like, oh, there's not really much difference. Um, just, you know, some, it's a little bit more nudie, nudie scenes. So, so guess what? Uh, grindhousevideo.com has the limited edition in stock. There you go. Yeah. Get it, Mike. Get it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the film's fine. I, I, Am not a hardcore Jess Franco fan. Um, you know, out of two hundred films, I maybe like maybe ten that I've actually seen. I haven't seen his whole filmography, of course, because that would be insane. Um, but um, yeah, he has a thing about him. Um, I, I thought this was one of his better films that he doesn't go too overboard with. Um, the, I think the film does go a little overboard at times because it, it, like, it takes you out of the movie a little bit. Um, 
I don't know. I if I'm going to watch a women in prison film, I want to see more revenge mm-hmm. um, than I do kind of the you know the hanky panky and rapey rapey scenes. I don't know. There's just uh, yeah, like we, I'd, I'd we, agree we've that. talked about it on the show uh, a few, you know, countless times with 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 rape scenes. There's got to be like at least have a little bit of substance to it rather than just being, you know, rape for rape and being mean for mean. And that's kind of what these films do. So I tend to get a little bored um, just because in, and in these films, it happens over and over and over again. It's one of the reasons why I don't like I spit on your grave. Um, just because it's so drawn out, it's like, come on, just fucking get it over with and let's get to the revenge part. Um, Interesting. So it's, it's, you know, it's just one of those things where it's not terrible, but, um, I don't know for, for obviously I think for any fans of Jess Franco, this is a must. I think you will love it because it's total Jess Franco. Definitely. Um, but I don't know for people that are kind of on the fence, Maybe think this is a women in prison film, like you like, you know, the fucking big bird cage and women in chains and chained heat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is nothing, nothing like that. I think that might be the misconception. Um, this is just Franco's mind, uh, women in prison film. So. Yeah, if you're Anyways. looking for straight women in prison, I would go with like a women in cages or, or, you know, something with Pam Greer in it. But, um. Oh yeah. But with, with this, this is, this is porn. <laughs> and it's fine. We don't kink shame. <laughs> I don't kink shame. That's fine. Cool. Whatever. But you're, you're, th- that's the, the, the core of the film is you're getting on screen penetration and, you know, lots of Lady Bush and peen and all that stuff. So that's, I mean, there, there's a lot of peen. There's a lot of it. And that's, that's what you're getting here. And that's fine. Totally fine. But if you're looking for, you know, your, your women in prison kind of film, this isn't exactly that. That's kind of a loose shell for the, for the porn. So now I'm curious how different the French version would be than the, uh, the other version, uh, other version. You know, if, if all scene, the hardcore scene, stuff is t- taken out. Yeah. I, okay. I've, so, so basically they're just extended. Would you say that, Brad? Because you saw the other version, Yeah, right? no, they're... Ex- I mean, I watched clips of the French version because I wanted to see what I was missing. And it's literally... It's just yep. extended sequences with penetration. Hmm. Okay. So it, right. it doesn't... It okay. just... It made matters worse. Because <laughs> I thought I'd be missing, like, some, like, crazy, like, you know, cutting off heads or something like that. And I, I didn't get that. Right. Nope. More peen. Okay. Okay. All right. X for peen, not for gore. I couldn't think of anything that rammed. 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 Is there any gore? Rammed. There is any gore in this movie, is there? No, there's not really. Not that I remember. You get a little bit more in Love Camp 7. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, the end of Love Camp 7 goes, uh, you know. It gets bloody. It's a massacre. So uh, this one, there's an interview with, uh, with Jess Franco. There's a, uh, interview with Stephen Thrower, author of Murders, Passions, and Del- Delirious Cinema of, J- J- of Jesus Franco. And then there's a, so there's not like a lot of extra footage, uh, extra, you know, footage other than this, but this, if you get, if you're getting the French version one, you're getting a, it's getting pretty stacked anyway, but it also does come with a soundtrack by Bruno 
Nikolai, uh, I was going to ask both of you, what do you think of this, of the soundtrack? Is it worth having a separate disc? It's just like one song that plays set? over and over again. That's what, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the vibe I got from it. I, I didn't even see it gotcha. as distinctive. It's just one kind of okay. porno. Song. And it isn't even really a porno song. There's no funky bass line to it or anything. It's like this after school hmm. special kind of flute. It's like, it's like wispy. Yeah, it's wispy. Okay. Like yeah, late sixties wispy yeah. music. Yeah. Kind of free love kind of music. You're made, like, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Flowers and free love. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, like I think most of these films you can grab over at grindhousevideo.com. Please send Mike some love and order your films through him. He, of course, is a sponsor of the podcast. We got to give him some love there. And also, I want to mention our other sponsors, coffeeshopofhorrors.com. You can use the coupon code Screamcast and get 10% off of your order. Huge thank you to Wolfman of Mar- Mars for providing the music. They have merch up on their Bandcamp. So wolfmanofmars.bandcamp.com. Grab a t-shirt and buy their music. Give them some love. And also Kevin Spencer is responsible for the look of the website and our logo. Check his work out over at inkspatters.com. Anya. Yes. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for having me. Thank you for reintroducing me to Raw Meat, which is the title I will go with from yeah. now on. <laughs> death like line title, doesn't yeah. exist. It is Raw Meat. Yeah, I'm and the I same way. And thank you. And again, uh, where can people where can people find you online? Uh, OnYourRights.com. That's Tanya without the T. A-N-Y-A Rights.com. And Daily Grindhouse is where I have my weekly column. Awesome. And of course, uh, Twitter, bookish, bookish Plinko. Plinko. Absolutely. That's where you'll find most of my shenanigans. I'm rarely on Facebook, not really on Instagram all that much, but Twitter, that's where you'll find me acting a damn fool. Bookish Plinko. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us and, uh, we will, uh, We'll have you go, have you on again Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Right? Yes. I think, Thank you. I think all these women need to come back. We've been, uh, we've been, I think we're three for three now, Brad, with uh, some yeah, awesome some guests. Of my homegirls on here. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank all of you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Bye bye. See ya. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.